Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Every win allows him just to bide his time a little bit more because he can trot out the line. These guys have earned their respect. They have earned the right for me to wait as long as I possibly can. So after a win like that one that keeps them in the race and everybody out there can make their predictions of whether or not they think the Penguins are going to make it or not, but Every win that keeps them in the race, Dubas can just sit back and say, I'm going to read the market while these guys play it out. That's Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast. He's, I think, the preeminent hockey insider. That podcast is one of my favorite listens, really after Steelers season, when you start getting down to the trade deadline, into the nitty-gritty of the NHL season, getting closer to the Stanley Cup playoffs. He says that Kyle Dubas is just going to let this thing play out. And it's something that I argued yesterday. I think that's the pragmatic approach. You don't want to give up on a season when you've got Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Eric Carlson. And the reason I'll include Carlson is because not only did Kyle Dubas include Carlson, but you acquire that guy not because you're in the midst of a rebuild. You acquire Eric Carlson because you want to get bad contracts off the books and you think he's going to help you make the playoffs. So... I think every passing win, you hold on to your guys. Every loss makes it more likely that come March 8th, you trade your players. What I don't necessarily agree with, though, is Friedman's reasoning there. These guys have earned it. Again, I'll argue wait until the 8th. But if Dubas were to trade Gensel today and get a massive haul in return, I don't know that I'd be annoyed. He might be because he'd say, oh, well, you owe it to this core to wait until the 8th. No, you make your own luck, don't you? You earn it through your play. This year's team hasn't earned that benefit. It's Again, it's pragmatic to wait, but have they earned it? I would argue absolutely not. They haven't earned it. Not yet, but, like, I mean, it's like, it's like you just get hired to be, you know, the – head coach of Golden State and they're you know what are they 11th or something in the west right now and it's like you go in there and I, I would say that I would bet that this team would figure it out I would bet that Steph Curry Draymond Green and Clay, Clay Thompson would figure it out because they have done it before that's where I think that 
they've earned it. They've earned the right for us to wait to see if they can overcome what the obstacles are right now. They haven't earned anything yet this year. Crosby has. Yes, Crosby has. Crosby has. Latang a little bit. Yeah. You know, a, a little bit. Carlson, outside of the power play, a little bit. Uh, Malkin hasn't. But I, 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 t- I tend to agree from his sentiment saying that these guys have earned the right for us to wait to see what happens because of what they are capable of. And it's not like we're guessing here. We are guessing in a way. We have blind faith in a way. But we know that these guys can do something. And I, I'd be willing to wait to give them the opportunity to figure it out. Yeah, we are absolutely, no question about it, parsing this right now. Yeah. Because I understand that viewpoint. Hey, wait and see if these stars act like stars yes. and drag the rest of the team kicking and screaming, not necessarily into buyer mode, but into non-seller mode. I understand that viewpoint. I don't buy into what Friedman's saying about they've earned it. They they have, I think, the benefit of the doubt that maybe they could turn this thing around, but hey, these guys have earned us not selling. Actually, to this point, they've earned being sellers, if you catch what I'm putting down, if you're picking it up. Again, it's parsing. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. You're saying for the moment, like right now, like the present. Yeah, they've actually earned seven points out of the third place in their division, and they've earned, what, ten points out of the second wild card spot. That's what this collective group has earned right now. So again, 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 I want to keep... Stamping down on this, I would wait, but not because this particular group has earned it. If they had earned it, we wouldn't even be talking about them being sellers right now. They have a body of work of 50 games. They'd have earned, oh, we're either buyers or we're standing pat. They have earned the discussion right now that they could be sellers. I would wait until the 8th, but not because these guys have earned it. I would wait until the 8th because I think there's a chance that these guys could pull themselves into contention, but I think those are two different things. Let's switch gears here. So Jim Rutherford is the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. This season's been a failure. Last season, though, to me, Doran, is the big disaster. And I think one of the guys who has to own that is Jim Rutherford for the end of his tenure. Ron Hextall for his bad asset management. I know Penguins fans are really upset right now if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and I get that. The last few years are the great sin. Last year was really wasting maybe your last best chance to do something because Malkin, what he was last year, was good enough to carry a second line. Mm -hmm. This year, Malkin has one goal in his last 19 games. He's got 42 points or whatever in 50-some-odd games. It looks to me like he can be a factor but not a difference maker. Last year, I still thought he was a difference maker. And I think Jim Rutherford has to own some of that. And I think, of course, Ron Hextall has to own that too. Why does Rutherford have to own it? Because he just abruptly left? Some of the decisions he was making at the end of his tenure were not good. And then Ron Hextall had to try to fix that. But Ron Hextall was not equipped at fixing that. I blame Hextall more because they did have room last year to augment and add to their bottom six. And their entire top six, Jason Zucker included, Crosby and Malkin, they all played just about every game. Mm -hmm. I think their top six missed six games overall. You've got to do a better job rounding out your roster. You've got to do a better job of building that up. Because if they had, 
they could have maybe made a run last year. Their top six, I think, was the envy of a lot of teams in the league. They were that good, one through six. And so this year, it's been a disaster, but I, I kind of wonder if they had added more, if Dubas had added more to the bottom six, what kind of a difference it really would have made because Malkin just doesn't have it. But last year, to me, I will look at as the big missed opportunity. And frankly, the year before that in the playoffs, too, they got hit with terrible luck with Jari getting hurt, Crosby with the concussion, right. Raquel getting hurt. Those two years, if we're looking back on the Penguins' quote-unquote dynasty a decade from now, the missed opportunities for me will probably be 2012 and 2013, where they lost to the Flyers and the Bruins, and then last year against the Rangers, or two years ago against the Rangers, and then last year not being able to make the playoffs with a top six that was absolutely humming. So we're so not we're kind of placing blame on two general managers, and I know how the Hextall tenure went; it wasn't great. But he was brought in, and he had to fix a lot of things, right? From what Rutherford, from what I'm picking up, what you're putting down here, he had to fix some things that Rutherford left, and then now Dubas had to fix some things that Hextall left. There's only one common denominator here that is probably the issue. And that's head the coach. head coach. I mean, it's the same head coach, but different GMs. Now, you, you, you bring people in to fix things, and I get that. Like, you got to fix things. you got to place people. you got to put people in the right spots and get the right players. But that we're talking about, we're talking about what, what Friedman said. They've earned the right to wait. Has Sullivan earned the right to wait as well, even though that there's so many different times where – they, he was asked to be the Hall or not the Hall of Fame, but be the Stanley could be yeah. could be, be, be the Stanley Cup winning head coach he once was, and it hasn't really panned out. Yeah, he deserves a ton of criticism. Like they talked about him uh, or Dubis. What last week said that he's good at developing players. Like how many players has he developed since Rutherford has been here? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that at all. I don't see that in the slightest. If that were the case, then we wouldn't be talking about this right now. We wouldn't be talking about Dubas adding more pieces to the bottom six. He would have developed the bottom six. Yeah, he let Mike Sullivan did, Brian Rust, Jake Gensel in 2017, Connor Sheary in 2016, Matt Murray in 2016 all play and play the way that they wanted to play, and he took the mistakes, he took the lumps, and those guys grew into good players. Now, anytime there's a young guy, you got to play within our system, right? You got to play a specific way, and if you play outside of that, you find yourself eating press box nachos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think if he hadn't won the second Stanley Cup, or if Fenway Sports Group never bought the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think he would have been fired after last year. And I think he probably should have been fired after last year. That's what I said. I said these rosters aren't good enough to contend for Stanley Cups. But I said the first time, and this is this is a take going back a few years, I said the first time Mike Sullivan doesn't make the playoffs, that's when you pull a trigger and you can fire the guy. Because the expectation at bare minimum yes. needs to be you make the playoffs. Because the roster wasn't as good. So it shouldn't be, oh, you either win the Stanley Cup contend for the Stanley Cup or that guy gets axed, but if you don't even make the playoffs, I said that's when you should get rid of Mike Sullivan. And they didn't. And this year, I think there are two things they could have done. Two things they could have done to maybe jolt some life into this organization. That's make a Jim Rutherford move, which is to say make one long before the deadline to shake things up as he did so often as Penguins general manager or you press the nuclear button. And you get rid of Mike Sullivan because that always seems to jog a team. 
Now, would it have made Malkin play better? Would it have made Carlson play better? I, I can't answer that question. I think the answer is probably no on Malkin. But yeah, they should have fired him last year, and they probably should have fired him at some point this year just to see if something changing would jolt them in the right direction. You can weigh in on the conversation, 412-928-9370, broad as it is. Uh, that's the text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You can tweet us, brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. We can parse what Friedman said. You can also look at, as the Penguins take on Jim Rutherford's club tonight, You know, maybe it would have been different this year if Jim Rutherford were at the helm. The team would look different. That much I know. He would have tried to make a move, if only for making a move for the sake of making a move. But sometimes you got to do that. Okay, coming up next, also on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Jeff Merrick, who I want to be when I grow up. He's got tattoos, he's all shredded, does the MMA stuff, talks hockey for a living. Would love to be that guy when I grow up. He had something very interesting to say about Sidney Crosby and the Hart Trophy. We'll do that. Coming up next, it is 6-13. Time to stop blindly paying those increasing auto and home insurance premiums. Contact the Buell Insurance Agency in Gibsonia and see what they can do for you. Right now, it's an Austin Bechtold fan headline. Pitt basketball tonight, big game against Clemson. Both teams are currently tied for fifth place in the ACC behind Wake Forest, Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina at 9-7. and seven. Panthers are 18-9 and nine overall. Pitt is 6-3 and three away from home. And the Panthers, according to Joe Lenardi, currently in the next, next four out in March Madness bracket pairings. While Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News also does a lot of work for Fox Sports, has Pitt basketball currently as one of the first four out teams with a chance to be able to make their way to the NCAA tournament. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for Marco to 937thefan.com. And now here's Doran. ESPN Bet is now live in Pennsylvania as the official sportsbook of ESPN. ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, crossbar parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. Must be 21 and over. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Couple things. I want to correct something I said in the first segment. I was calling Rutherford the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. He is the president of hockey operations. Same difference. Same thing. Patrick Alvine is the GM. You remember him from his time in Pittsburgh. Assistant GM in Pittsburgh, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's the official GM, but Jim Rutherford, the president of hockey operations. I just put this out on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. You know, Say what you will about Jim Rutherford at the end of his Penguins tenure. If he were the GM right now, he'd have made a trade this year. He'd have made a trade, a hockey trade, get a guy that wasn't working here to maybe find someone who wasn't working someplace else, make a trade, change his scenery, just for the sake of making a trade. And we saw that Rob Scuderi gets traded. For Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly wasn't working in Chicago. Rob Scuderi, definitely not working here in Pittsburgh. Hockey trade. Carl Hagel wasn't working out in Anaheim. You had David Perron here. He wasn't playing as well as you'd hoped he would play. So you make that swap. He did that kind of thing all the time. He did that kind of thing way before the deadline. If his team was ever circling the drain, he would try to send a message. He would try to shake the lineup up. And... You know, I know we graded the job that Kyle Dubas has done this year 
back when he had that State of the Penguins address not that long ago. One of the things I wish he would have done is is pull a trigger on a move like that. They don't have a lot of assets to give up, but prospects, picks. But could you do a player-for-player swap? He'd have found a way to do that. Doesn't mean it would have worked. But I feel like Dubis has been sitting idly by, and he's he's kind of been he's been passive in the role as Penguins general manager. Do you think he's just taking time to really assess the situation that he's in? Like it's one thing to look from the outside and, and looking in, and then take the job and know that you have a core. But do you think he's still like kind of taking time to assess what's going on before he wants to strike, or well, do you think that's just his nature to be passive? If you buy what Friedman had to say that we talked about it in the first segment. If Dubis thinks this team has earned his patience, he would have thought that all year long, too. And if he has any hope that this team can win five of the next six games or whatever to not be sellers at the deadline, then a month, month and a half ago, he's probably thinking, oh, this team will finally find water, find their level. Like, they'll probably turn it around because we believe in the group. So that's probably what he was thinking. But you got to have a pulse of that thing. Rutherford always did. Didn't always make the right move, mm-hmm. but he would make a move. And they're never firing the coach. Like, that's just not – we can talk about it, whether they should, shouldn't, should have. They were never going to do it. But one thing they could have done is make a deal, and we haven't seen that from Kyle Dubas. And I wish we had. All right. How about this conversation? Jeff Merrick on the 32 Thoughts, the podcast, podcast. About Sidney Crosby after his four-point performance against the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, even the most casual of hockey observers uh, can see what he is doing, uh, pulling in one direction while the, uh, you know, some of the forces of losing are pulling the other direction here. You know, that's the very definition of the Hart Trophy, Elliot. Regardless of they make the playoffs or not, and I know we're all, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs about Austin Matthews and 70 goals and automatic Hart Trophy and, you know, Nikita Kucherov just hit the century mark, and uh, Nathan McKinnon is doing Nathan McKinnon things on a consistent basis. We saw some more of that on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada. But if you look at the very definition of what the Hart Trophy is, regardless of playoffs or not, tough to say no to Sidney Crosby when he's doing this. So Elliot Friedman would then push back and say, they're not going to make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, you can't win the Hart Trophy. Now, that's true. That's not something that has happened. It's not true that it can't happen, though, however. Because here's the definition for the Hart Trophy. It's presented annually to the player adjudged to be most valuable to his team. Who fits that bill more than Sidney Crosby? You can argue Nikita Kucherov. He's got 102 points. I mean, he's la- he's lapped Sidney Crosby in terms of points. Crosby's 22nd in the league with 60 points. This guy's got 42 more points than Sid, and they're hanging on tooth and nail to a final playoff spot. If he were having a 75-point season, an 80-point season, a 90-point season, Tampa probably isn't in a playoff spot. So he would be my favorite. But Sidney Crosby probably deserves consideration. Like it, Sidney Crosby could be a top three Hart Trophy finalist. He would be in my book because of that definition. But I guess the bigger conversation then is, Doran, if you're going to be the MVP of any league, NHL, NBA, whatever, NFL, Major League Baseball, do you have to be a playoff team? Yes. Yes, I mean, I mean, that's the ultimate goal is to get into the dance uh, of whenever the competition does really matter and argue the reason why and a part of the reason why your team is doing good. Like, the, these trophies, these MVPs, 
they're individual awards that are based off of team's performance and what you do for your team and how your team does react to you being that type of player. That's how I look at the award. Like, you're the most valuable player to your team, not the most valuable player, not the most valuable individual. Like, it's what you can do. Like, TJ Watt. Like, he's, to me, the most valuable defensive player in my mind because whenever he's not in there – They lose. They lose. Yeah. Like, are you helping your team get to a point whenever it's actually – whenever it actually matters? If the Penguins did not have Sidney Crosby, they'd be bottom five in the NHL this year. There's no doubt. I think he merits consideration. I think he should be top three, even if they don't make the playoffs. And I'm not usually that kind of guy, but you have to consider where this club would be without him. You know, Nikita Kucherov, if they didn't have him, they're not in a playoff spot, Tampa. But I don't think they're bottom five in the league. Without Sidney Crosby, this team's probably bottom five in the league. Just look at the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Tampa's still got a whole bunch of talent. The Penguins are not blessed with that kind of talent. And you could tell me they've got Malkin. You could tell me they've got Carlson. Carlson hasn't played that well. And Malkin absolutely hasn't been Malkin. Malkin, <laughs> when you look at his stats, he's like 100th in the league in scoring. Like, you have to scroll and scroll and scroll to find Evgeny Malkin. He's 81st, my apologies, mm-hmm. in scoring. 44 points in 55 games. A talent, sure. He's a shell of himself. Whereas you've got Steven Stamkos having a good season in Tampa, and you've got one of the best goaltenders in the entire National Hockey League. Same thing with Nathan McKinnon. You take Nathan McKinnon off of Colorado, they're still talented. They're not going to be bottom five in the league. Right. Connor McDavid is always meriting that consideration, but David Pasternak, who's fourth in the league, all these guys, their teams would still be okay. Do take Crosby off the Penguins, they're junk. They're garbage. And it goes back to what Kyle Dubas said. It's tough to bottom out when you've got that top-end talent, and the Penguins do have that in Sidney Crosby. I think I'd make the exception for him. And there was a, a few years ago, there was a weird heart trophy handed out. A few years ago, Taylor Hall won it. That's 2018. He was 15 points behind the league's leading point getter. He was eighth in scoring, and he won the Hart Trophy. Because why? Well, they did make the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They lost in the first round. Postseason's not factored in. That wasn't a good hockey team. I thought he was deserving. I don't know that Sidney Crosby is deserving to win the award. I do think he should be one of the final three. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And I also think, Dorn, not to keep going on my soapbox here, I... He missed out on a Hart Trophy in 2011 whenever David Steckel and then Victor Hedman broke his head and his neck. If ever a guy deserved a Lifetime Achievement Award, I think Sidney Crosby deserves one. I do. Or at least consideration for the award. I think you could say consideration this year and without possibly making the playoffs. And you can kind of look back to the past, too, and how valuable he has been to the team for you know, yeah. over, over a decade. Lifetime achievement. And he, how about this? If they make the playoffs, you give it to him. No. If they make the playoffs, he's your Hart Trophy winner, in my opinion. And I'm totally biased. I understand I'm wearing it on my sleeve right now. If they make the playoffs, I don't know how you don't give it to that guy. Because they'd have been dead ass in the water without him. And you want to talk about the player adjudged to be most valuable to his team? If this team makes the playoffs, he dragged them there. If he'd be better on the power play, it would probably help too. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, two trusted, long-tenured Steelers beat writers seem to indicate a position the Steelers will address 
in free agency. Will they actually go after a big name? That's coming up next. First, it's a Becky fan headline. Pens tonight against the Vancouver Canucks on the road. 10 p.m. puck drop. Pens have won two games in a row. Still seventh place in the Metropolitan Division standings. It's been a common spot for the Penguins all year. 60 points on the season. That is currently seven back of Philadelphia for third place in the Metro. But Philadelphia's played 59 games. The Pens 55. The Penguins also won this weekend against the Flyers. In the wild card race, Tampa Bay was 69 points. Nine more than the Penguins, who are currently six in the wild card race trailing the Islanders, Devils, and Washington Capitals before making their way to the Lightning and Red Wings. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis Monroe Velt. Now open for more. Go to 937thefan.com. Here's Crowley. Thank you, Austin. Belly fat. You bloated. You got love handles. You got those jowls on your face like Doran said I did a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you've got that lack of lean muscle. Maybe you're getting tired walking up the stairs. Maybe you got low libido. All those things could be signs that you've got low testosterone. Well, There are two kinds of guys in the world. Those who make excuses, those who get results. You want results? Go to Mentality, a local healthcare facility specifically dedicated to helping men feel and perform their very best. Blood test from board-certified physicians is covered by insurance. If low testosterone is your problem, they'll fix it for you. If it's not your problem, they'll point you in the right direction. Go to the website, lowtusa.com. You ever scratch your ear and you pull out a big potato? Yep. Yeah, it just happened to me. I saw it. Yeah, it was nasty. That was sick. Anybody watching on the web stream, 937thefan.com, they would have seen that. That was nasty. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I smelled it, too. You'd have to check the tape. Sometimes I do that. Why? When I'm alone. I, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. It's very gross. I'm not going to lie, but it, you, yeah, I kind of want to know. The weirdest thing is when you get the potato coming out. A potato. The earwax, like I vigorously Q-tipped yesterday, and stuff comes out, but then sometimes the day after that or later on in the day, you, you get some residual laying in there. You loosened it up. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. Yeah. How deep do you go with the Q-tip? Mm, I don't want to flirt with disaster. I touch my brain. Do you really? I go oh. so deep. Oh. I've had ringing in my ears my entire life, tinnitus. It's not good. I have to sleep with like a fan or white noise or the TV on or else my ears are ringing like crazy. They thought I had a tumor back in the day. It doesn't matter. I think it's probably because I Q-tip too vigorously. How long have you had the ringing going on? Like you're talking about? about eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yeah. It's really bad when I drink. Like if I'm laying in bed and I'm drunk. Oh my God. It's Nuh-uh. terrible. It's awful. Yeah. No kidding. This job probably doesn't help. No, concerts, sporting events, all those things. I'm going to go deaf at some point, which would be bad for radio, but good for some of the listeners who don't like me. All right, how about this? Mark Caboli says the Steelers should be able to add a veteran stud defensive lineman in free agency. A veteran stud, Doran. The two guys mentioned, Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins and DJ Reader from the Bengals. DJ Reader on PFF graded out in the 80s, which is very high. Christian Wilkins graded out in the mid-70s, which is a good number, and also had nine sacks this year. So he wrote that in The Athletic. Jerry Dulac wrote that the Steelers' positions of need in the draft are inside linebacker, center tackle, corner, and safety. He did not mention defensive line when talking about needs in the draft, and he's been banging the drum for a defensive lineman, Doran, since midway through this season. 
any chat he's been in, Steelers need to address D-line first round of the draft. Now it's not a need. That tells me they're going to go after that position in free agency. So the question I think is this. On a defense that's already had so much money poured into it, are Steelers fans, are you okay with them pouring more money into the defense? 412-928-9370. Um, depends on how much money. Depends on how much money, because I mean, you still need some some offensive weapons, or even offensive protection. Like, I, I, you you do need a, a big time stud at D line. Like, I mean, I think that's very obvious. As if you watch the games last year, Cam Hayward obviously not getting any younger. Um, you you like Keanu Benton, what he could bring to the table, but he's a young guy. You want to get a stud defensive lineman. If I were to spend money on defense first, I think we talked about this yesterday. I'd I'd go corner. Yeah. On the outside, knowing that you have to go against. Uh, that T. Higgins just got franchise tagged. That uh, you know Jamar Chase is still there. You still got Amari Cooper. You got uh, you know you got Zay Flower. These teams that you're playing against in the North have a good batch of receivers that need cover. But I, I wouldn't hate it if the guy was of the ilk of like you know making some big time. Yeah, if we're talking DJ Reader, right? Or Christian Wilkins. His, yes. I mean that does that's tantalizing to me. I would rather spend big money on a corner. I'd rather get Jalen Johnson, the guy formerly of the Bears. Maybe the Bears are still interested in bringing him back. Who knows? And when he hits free agency, if they allow that to happen, he's going to make a lot of money. I would rather spend the money on corner. But I don't have problem spending money on defense. I think if they were to do that, get a reader, even get a Jalen Johnson, two massive positions of need, the defensive line and corner, I do think you'd have Steelers fans, some, say, Again, spending money, pouring money into this defense. They're one of the highest paid defenses in the league. Now they're now they're using more monetary assets to address that. I think you would annoy some people because that's what happened last offseason. That was a big topic of conversation. How much do you really need to spend on defense? Why are you giving Alex Highsmith this contract extension? To me, I've never looked at it that way. Draft picks are assets. Cap space is assets. You got money and you got picks. Find a way to build the best roster possible. I don't care if you have to spend a bunch of money on defense when you've got a young offense. That's never, that's never concerned. Mm-mm. And I really don't get it why people get all caught up on that. Because they like the glitzing. They want to see, they want to see points. They want to see yards. As long as you are able to add to your offense in some way through the draft, through free agency, it doesn't matter to me how you get to be good. If you're spending a bunch of money on defense and you win, great. If you spend a bunch of money on offense and you win and you're like the Chiefs and you've got that young defense, but you got to pay your quarterback, whatever it takes to win, mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't think spending big money on a corner or on one of those two defensive linemen like Kaboli suggested, I don't think that that hurts your chances of winning. You would just then dive headfirst into adding offense in the draft. It's but it's like I mean I I I mean I have an offensive mind. It's like okay, do I spend money and get a big time defensive lineman like DJ Reader, or do I just say bleep it and go pay somebody like Mike Evans, you know, like a receiver that's like dynamic that mm-hmm. can go out there and and just change a game. Like me, I would pay the receiver. I would pay the receiver because that scores points. That scores points and. You need to put weapons around your quarterback. And whether it's protection weapons or what skilled weapons, I that's how I would approach it at this point right now is we need more weapons. We need people that can break open a game. Can a defensive lineman do that? 
not really, but he would help in a, in a, in a big way. But it's just defensive and offensive perspective that I think people get caught up in. And I do too. I do too. I would pay a big-time receiver over paying a big-time defensive lineman. I'd find a defensive lineman in the draft. Where do we come down on that? 412-928-9370. We'll take a peek ahead at one of the most trusted draft insiders' big boards on just what might be available in the top 32 picks to the Pittsburgh Steelers because you got to fold that into the conversation. Fan Morning Show is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Jeff Hathorn going to join us in about 16 minutes. Right now, it's a Bechtold fan headline. Pirates host the Atlanta Braves. Spring training action at 1 o'clock. You can hear it on 100.1 FM and AM 1020. KDKA, Pitt Basketball. Hear that tonight here on the fan against Clemson at 7, six, at 7 o'clock. 6.30 begins our pregame coverage. Headlines are proud by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. Go to 93.7thefan.com. Jeff Hathorne in 10 minutes. The 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 and Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. We're just laughing off air because we are all Justin Fields to the Steelers out. But yet yesterday, Dominique Foxworth said the Steelers should get Justin Fields. Ryan Tannenbaum said the Steelers should get Justin Fields. Mike Greenberg said the Steelers should get Justin Fields. Tim Hasselbeck said the Steelers should get Justin Fields. We want this, well, we want this to happen, but we also want this to die. Mm-hmm. But every time you turn on ESPN, every time you turn on the dang NFL Network, Justin Fields, Steelers, Justin Fields, Steelers, Justin Fields, Steelers, it's crazy. And Albert Breer says that if he gets traded, it's going to happen this week at the NFL Combine. Should we say Justin Fields again for the rest of the show, or should we not? No. Okay. We, but we can, we, can, we can work around it. We can well, we it. got Brad Spielberger at 8 o'clock. We'll see if the asking price on Fields has changed. We could just say the current quarterback of the Chicago Bears. We don't <laughs> say his name. I am Fields'd out, man. Me too. So I looked at a big board yesterday. I've been looking at mock drafts. It's that kind of season, S-Z-N, because the NFL Combine is you, this You week. love mock draft season, don't you? Are you a big mock draft guy, right? I, I don't know if I do it because I like it or if I do it because it's it's like nicotine. I can't quit it, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, Anytime someone tweets out a mock draft or a big board, I am obligated, I feel like, to click on it. So Daniel Jeremiah's came out. And Daniel Jeremiah, I think, is really good. All these guys, people are going to have their personal preferences. I happen to think Jeremiah is really good. So I started calculating math. What positions he had the most players in in his top 50. And yesterday we were talking about whether or not the Steelers should sign a tackle or a corner in free agency. I said corner. You said tackle. There are eight tackles ranked in his top 32. Now, this isn't a mock draft. In a mock draft, if there's eight tackles going in your top 32, it doesn't necessarily mean there's eight first-round quality tackles, just the teams who are tackle needy uh-huh. might reach to grab a guy. He's got eight tackles in his top 32. Of the 32 top prospects in this draft, he thinks there's eight. Wow. Eight that are worthy of a first-round selection. So I don't think I'm addressing that in free agency. I think you can get a good one in the first round. Or the second. Perhaps. I mean, now, the second. We do see tackles get overdrafted because teams are desperate to fix their offensive lines. I think it's probably the weakest position in the NFL, in my opinion. You agree with that? Offensive line play? It's pretty bad. Like, on the whole. Mm. I think the Steelers were able... In what way? I don't think you get as many great offensive linemen anymore coming from the 
weird spread offenses that are necessarily ready-made mm-hmm. in the NFL. Guys who are good run blockers, maybe not such good pass blockers because the ball comes out of the hand so quick. Like, I think there's a dearth. Okay. You like that word? A dearth, yes. I think there's a dearth okay. in the league. Okay. And that's why I think the Steelers drafted well for so long because you had Villanueva, you had Pouncey, you had DeCastro. You didn't have to reach for offensive linemen. And so other teams, they're going to reach for offensive linemen. Good players fall into your lap. I think that's one of the reasons the Steelers have been successful for so long. But eight tackles in the top 32. Five corners in the top 32. The other thing I thought was interesting on Daniel Jeremiah's big board is that Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon, the interior offensive lineman, he's 35th on his big board. Zach Frazier, the West Virginia center, comes in at 37. So in his mind, if the Steelers were to take one where they pick in the first round, they'd be reaching on either one of those players. Could one of them fall? I mean, pie in the sky, best case scenario for the Steelers in the draft for me, Dorn, is you get one of those eight tackles with your first round pick, and one of those two, Jackson Powers Johnson or Zach Frazier, is there at 52. Well, what I would do if this was the case, and I knew that there was a plethora of offensive linemen and especially tackles in this draft, and if somebody like Dan Jeremiah, where I agree with you, he does a very good job. So he's a guy that if I were to look at this stuff, he would be the guy, one of the guys that I would look at. If I were the Steelers and my board is similar to this and I had eight offensive potential tackles to be first-rounders, which we know that that's not the case, but I would trade out of the first round and I would get two second-round picks. So and trade I would, back. I'd trade back. Feel like one of those eight offensive linemen would fall to you. Yes. And then you would accrue more picks. I would get, I would get a tackle and then I would get the center in the second round. You hopefully would get an earlier second-round pick. Yes. To get the tackle or the center, whatever one. Like if Powers, if Powers, uh, if he drops. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. If center is their biggest need going into the draft, which a lot of people yesterday on social media when we put out our poll said, center, why didn't you include center, center, center? We were talking about free agency. If that's their biggest need in the draft and both of those guys don't fit in the top 30, 32 of his big board. There's only going to be one. If, You're taking a risk, but if, yeah, I could see that. If anything, there's only going to be one center getting drafted in the first round. You think? Yes. We'll see what the combine provides. We'll see if these guys shoot up any of these big boards after the NFL combine. Because we're still, weirdly enough, early on in this process. How many corners are on that list? You have that five. Ready? There's five. Okay. Yeah, five corners. And only a couple of defensive linemen which is why I think the Steelers are going to get one in free agency. Mm-hmm. Dulac seems to think so. Kaboli seems to think so. I think there was only two or three defensive linemen, like true defensive linemen, not edge guys. Mm-hmm. So doesn't look like it's that strong. And a couple of them are in the top 15. Coming up next, Jeff Hathorne's going to join us. Big pens and pit games tonight. I mean, absolutely massive. The deadline looms for the Penguins. You got the combine. So much to get into with Jeff Hathorne. First, though, fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Big night. Pittsburgh sports. You got Pitt. On the road at Clemson, 7 o'clock. You can listen to that game right here on the fan. And then you got the Penguins taking on the Canucks, 10 o'clock out in the West Coast. You going to watch a second of that, Doran? Nope. I'll have been asleep for two hours. We'll watch the replay in the morning. We always do. The, yep. the game will be on in the morning. We'll watch it on Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Joining us now to get into that, plus what the Steelers are up to at the NFL Combine, is our sports director, Jeff Hathorne. He's on the fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. The old condensed game. It's a beaut. Uh, we, I mean, let me tell you something, Jeff. Those condensed games, I will watch 100 college football games over the offseason whenever I start to get Jones in for it. I love those. Oh yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. But you're right, it is a big night for both. And hey, Pence could have three in a row. That would be uh, that would be something we haven't seen since November. Do you agree with me, Jeff, that even though they've won their last two games, that they're still not playing great hockey? It's more exciting, though. I'll give yes. you that. <laughs> more goal scoring, um, and it's weird because they've given up goals, but not in the ways that they have at times this year. It's not like it's a bunch of odd man rushes. Um, they're just giving up opportunities. And, you know, there's there's not quite the defensive game. It's almost as if they've decided, okay, we're going to open it up a little bit. If that means we're going to give up a few more, that's okay. But, you know, we're just going to open it up a bit. And at least they found a way to win. Um, this is a tough stretch. I mean, all four of those teams have playoff aspirations that they're facing. And obviously uh, the last game of this Western swing in Edmonton is going to be quite a battle. Jeff, what grade do you give uh, Kyle Dubas so far? Um, C. I mean, some of the things, you know, he walked into some of the long-term deals that were made. I think some of the contracts that were signed, everybody lauded that Carlson trade hadn't quite worked out. You can't give him an A for that like you would have after it it happened. Um, And, you know, some of the bottom line signings, there have been some injuries that are involved there, but it just 
it hasn't clicked yet. And again, while it's not all his fault, um, it wasn't quite the home run that you were hoping for in the, in the monster turnaround right away. One of the things we were kicking around earlier, Jeff, is that, of course, the Penguins take on Vancouver tonight, and Jim Rutherford is the president of hockey operations. If he would be the GM here in Pittsburgh, not now at the deadline, but do you think he would have done something earlier in the year? Because that's one of my critiques of Kyle Dubas, is he kind of sat oddly by while this team kind of circled the drain. I think that Rutherford at least would have made a trade just for trade's sake to try to shake things up. Yeah, and to be fair, I think that's, I mean, Trader Jim. I mean, he is he is the most aggressive GM maybe in all of sports. I mean, when he sees something, he's just going to, you know, I'm sure at times it's probably worked to his detriment, but he is aggressive. And when you're used to that type of aggression, yeah, when others don't do it. Um, but I, I, I don't know if he's necessarily a one-off, but he's unique. And he's one of the only GMs I've, I've ever talked to him like, Wait, really? You're like honest about this? <laughs> right. You're not afraid of like some other team hearing this? Uh, yeah, he. I mean, he he let the fans know exactly what they were thinking, and that's that's refreshing. But it's also um, it's not how most teams operate, and I think we're seeing that with the the GMs that have come after him. Jeff, if you had to bet your uh, house that Jake Gensel Ooh. would be or would not be traded at the deadline, what would what would you say? I'm going to say would not be. Whoa. I'm going to say would not be. I mean, the injury, you know, he's supposed to come back a couple of days after the deadline, so probably not. Uh, But I think their desire is to try to find a way to sign him, even though he wasn't mentioned as one of their core four and how they want to get younger and he's going to be 30 next season. um, I think they're going to try to find a way to sign him. And, you know, if they continue and they're playing decent hockey at the trade deadline, I think they want to ride this out, and I think Jake will be a part of it. Jeff Hathorne here joining us on the Fan Morning Show, which is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. All right, switching gears to Pitt, a massive, massive game. They're 47th in the net. They're taking on Clemson on the road. They're 23rd, so this would be that quad one victory they're looking for, Jeff. Is it as simple for Pitt as you hit shots, you win, you miss threes, you lose? What do you need to see from them tonight if they're going to pull this one out? Well, hitting threes obviously would be huge. But they've got to play some better interior defense than they did the last time they, yeah. they played this team. I mean, they struggled down low. They gave up 40 rebounds. There's this dude, Ian Shifflin, who looks like a taller Kevin Gorman from the Trib. Uh, <laughs> he is. He's like he's like tall Gormy. Uh, and you'll notice, once you see that guy, you go, hey, wait, I know that face. Uh, he had 17 rebounds against the Panthers in the first matchup. Uh, that can't happen. Somebody's got to get a body on that guy. And, you know, P.J. Hall had 22 points, 11 rebounds. And, oh, yeah, that Syracuse dude, Gerard, had 25. Like, they've got to limit those guys a little bit more than they did. They're going to get their points, but they can't get it from second-chance opportunities. They've got to do a better job on the interior and also, uh, you know, grabbing some more rebounds. Obviously, hitting threes is going to be key for them in every game. And I think their defense has improved. If if they could play better on the inside, they've got a chance. I mean, Clemson's lost four games at home this year. This is not yeah. an infallible team. This is a team that can be beaten. But, man, this is one that would be huge for the resume for Pitt. Jeff, if the team does lose tonight, would this season be looked at as a failure uh, in some people's eyes? 
I don't think just because of all the, the you know the five different the five guards that left you brought in two freshman guards um, you're able to bounce back from the one and five start um, and you know you don't know how the rest of the season would play out you know let's say you lose this one you win out if you're able to make it say to the ACC final or even maybe the quarterfinal depending on what happens and with a lot of other schools maybe there's still some discussion. Um, I think look at it this way. I think it, if you at least get into a postseason tournament, even if it's not the NCAA, at least you kind of keep some momentum going. You're bringing in Brandon Cummings, but you know, obviously you're going to go into next season without Blake Henson and you know a couple of sho- shoes to fill. Jeff Hathorn with us here on the Fan Morning Show. Last thing here for you, Jeff. Uh, as the combine approaches, and I think players what take the field on Thursday, uh, if you had to, if you had to place another bet. Yeah, you know, if you if you make all that money on that Jake Gensel bet here, I'm Jeff. I'm to be without a house, so now what am I betting? Well, okay, so now the car. Mm-hmm. What would, would you? Oh, what position would you bet your car on? The Steelers would would take with their first pick in the draft. Boy, center seems more and more likely, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, with Mason Cole gone, and obviously there's a guy that's been tracked to him by many people uh, from Oregon that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I think offensive line makes a hell of a lot of sense. I, I, I think this, and we did a story on this last year, tackles normally after the top 15 are a lot more of a crapshoot than other offensive line positions. Um, but I would say I, I'm going to go into it saying center. Yeah, there are some other needs, but that seems to be a sweet spot for that position, You know where it falls, where you can get elite talent. Uh, at that point in the draft, where, without having to trade up, um, I'm going to say center. Jeff, what's on the website, so who's buddy? Me up. Who's picking me up when I have no house or car? <laughs> I'll drive. You go to a lot of Uber. games. You got a, you got a fun life, Uber. Jeff. I'll drive you around, buddy. <laughs> um, on the website, some interesting comments. I'm, I'm sure you guys have discussed over the last couple of days the court storming, what John Shire and, and some of the other ACC coaches said about it. And you know, Shire's not mentioned any words about. He doesn't think fans should ever be on, out on the court. Uh, a preview of this Clemson game is up there tonight, and some, some cool stuff from the Pens game the other night is also up on the website. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Jeff. That's Jeff Hathorn, our sports director. I have to, I have to take an educated guess here on a tweet that Austin Bechtel just sent out. So, Bechtel, did you send out a tweet, is this Penguin season a disappointment, and then realize you meant to type Pitt? No. I didn't mean to say Penguins, but I was going to do Pitt as well, just later on. So you really asked the question on Twitter, has this Penguin season been a disappointment? Well, I made it a poll, yes, no, or of course it's a failure. So I clicked on that, and it said this post was deleted. Yeah, because I forgot to put the poll in. Well, (laughs) Becky, I love you here, and you did a great final call, play-by-play, Baldwin winning a playoff game for the first time in 21 years at home, but... Yeah, this Penguin season's a failure. Well, I think it's a failure, but I'm asking the people what they think. If he's ever, getting you right now. he's getting you. no, he's not. If a ever there's a poll that comes back 100, percent is this Penguin? No, this Penguin season's been great. Oh, it's been so enjoyable. It's really been hey, wonderful. They, ha- they raised Yager's number to the Raptors. It's been fantastic. You could do that. They just did it in Chicago with Chris Chelios. They have 33 standings points. What are you talking about? Yes, it's been a failure. I think the question is. If Pitt doesn't make the tournament, Dorn, I think that's a really good question. Is it a failure? All right, we'll put that out there. Thank you. We'll get to that coming up next. And we'll also, we have to spend some time on what Jeff said there about Gensel. He's willing to put his house on the line. He thinks Gensel's going to remain a penguin.
We'll talk about those things coming up next. You can weigh in on Twitter, brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. You can also get after us on the text line, 412-928-9370, brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Right now, it's a Becky fan headline. Pitt tonight against Clemson at 7 o'clock. You can hear it right here on 93.7. The fan beginning at 6.30. Pens at 10 o'clock against the Vancouver Canucks. Headlines are proud by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open. For more, go to 93.7thefan.com. 7.21 the time. Brought to you by Gina G. and Petro of REMAX Select Realty. Much to digest from Jeff Hathorne in the last segment, Thorin Dickerson. You said, would you bet your... If you had to bet your house... Would you bet that the Penguins trade Gensel or don't trade Gensel? And he said, no, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what I said yesterday, too. I don't think so either. I mean, they, what, did, what did Dubas say and what did the, did the team say? They want to, you know, honor and they deserve, I guess, what was the saying that he said? That they deserve to have this time to figure it out, mm-hmm. basically. And I think Gensel was a part of that. Well, he's not playing. But I still think he's a part of that. Part group. of their future. Yes. See, when he didn't mention him as one of the – core four, if you will, that sort of made it sound to me like he wasn't going to be around. But there have been varying reports. You know, some who are tapped in say the Penguins are going to hold on to him. Some who are tapped in say the Penguins are definitely going to trade him. If you don't trade him, you have to sign him to a deal. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't want that to happen. I, I think it's bad business handing out what would probably be a six or longer year contract to a guy who's going to be north of 30 for the entirety of the deal when he's going to have to command, you know, one-eighth of your cap space on one guy who's not Crosby, who's not Malkin, who's not Latang, who's not Carlson, that's way too much money tied up in five players. And I don't know how gracefully he's going to age. So I think you got to do it now. I think you got to make the move. And if they don't, I th- I'm going to heavily criticize them for that if they don't trade him and they were to sign him. Or worse yet... You don't trade. The worst case scenario is you they don't trade him, walk. and you're trying to get something done, trying to get something, trying to get something done, and he wants to go elsewhere. And then you wound up getting nothing for him. You would get the cap space, which does matter, but, boy, that would be a rough look. I still, and I trust Jeff, and he's tapped in. I, I would be surprised if they, if they don't move him. To accrue assets, to have that cap space, if you want to rebuild on the fly, you can't tie that much up in a non-core four player. Like, if you could find a taker for Carlson, if you could find a taker for Raquel, like, if you could get contracts off the books, it would be more palatable to keep Jake Gensel mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. But those are tough guys to trade. With the cap hit associated with Carlson, with his lack of success on the power play this year, and then Raquel, you would be selling at an absolute low point. I don't know if anybody would be interested in him. 412-928-9370. You asked Jeff a really good question that I want to dive into. Pitt tonight against Clemson. They're a a seven-and-a-half-point dog. I'm looking at Bracketville.com, one of my favorites. He's got Pitt in their next four out. Joe Lenardi has Pitt in the next, next four out. Mike DeCourcy has Pitt in the first four out. So nobody has Pitt in the field right now. If Pitt doesn't make it, do you consider the season a failure? I don't. But it's flirting with the line. I don't because they showed a lot this year. They're a young team. Um, it would be a shame that this year would end with no tournament uh, appearance with 
with Blake Henson being a senior, being mm-hmm. gone after next year, and not utilizing and getting the most out of his play, um, that would be a disappointment. But as a whole, I think that they found a lot of di- lot of small things that could, you know, hopefully amount to something bigger as the time goes on. Now we, I mean, obviously college sports are different now, and you know you're gonna have to come up with some money for some of these guys. It just is what it is. But you know, above Carrington bringing eyes to the program, uh, you know, as being an NBA prospect and, and you know, Jalen Lowe uh, being a young freshman, you know, there are some things that did go well this year. So I couldn't say it's an ultimate failure if they don't make the tournament, but it'd be a failure, I think, to not get the most out of Blake Henson's career to end it. That's well said. I'm sure he would look at it as a failure. I'm sure Jeff Capel would look at it as a failure. 75% of people voting on my Twitter poll I put up say that it would be a failure if they don't make the tournament. But I'm going to disagree. This season shows that they can have some staying power with Jeff Capel. Last year, he's the coach of the year in the ACC. They get to the tournament. They win two games. And you're thinking, okay, see if you can do it again. He's shown me he can win again. Mm -hmm. And he can win now consistently. This will be year two of winning a lot of basketball games after, dude, six straight years of losing. Yeah. In an era where losing begets losing, they were terrible two years ago. Terrible. One of the worst teams in Power Five. They make the tournament, and then this year they're flirting with it at the bubble. Even if they don't make it, no, it shows that Jeff Capel has this thing now steady. The only way I see this season as a failure is if Bub Carrington leaves after the year. If Jalen Lowe leaves after the year. If you can keep these guys here next year, if you have to do the stiff arm and you keep out the NIL sniffers, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, whomever of the world, the Auburns, because they like to get their their feet wet, their, their beak wet there. If you can keep these teams at arm's distance and you can retain those two players. Definitely not a failure. Though. It's not a failure because you've shown that you've got staying power and you've kept the future bright for next year it's definitely stable and i think that this is that's what pit athletics was looking for it's stable now it's time to take the next jump now it's very close from last year to this year and they made the tournament very close last year they made it maybe this year they don't but Mm -hmm. it's really you know it's right on the line so i can't look at it as a failure and especially in your scenario where if they can retain the two guards and figure out a way to bring them back next year you're going to have a pretty decent team yeah pretty decent team and that it'd be hard not to that's a positive with how he's he's done in the transfer portal, I mean, last year was a rousing transfer portal success. Pitt's got four games left. So let's say, okay, if they don't make the, the tournament in this hypothetical, right? You'd have let's say you lose to Clemson tonight, which means you're nine and eight in the ACC. You're eighteen and ten. Let's say you finish twenty one and ten, but don't make the NCAA tournament. But you retain those two guys. I have a hard time saying that's a failure. Right. When you won a bunch of games last year. You win a ton of games this year. You'd be top five, top six in the ACC. The word you used is the right one, stability. Like You had to right the ship, prove that you could continue to do it, and then that success should hopefully, for Pitt's, from Pitt's standpoint, beget other success. I, I know that last season was tantalizing because you felt what it was like to get back mm-hmm. and you felt what it was like to win. Mm-hmm. And you think about Blake Hinson making the tournament and – even though they'd be one of the final teams in the field, you could absolutely envision him going off yeah, and being a player of the region kind of guy. I mean, if he goes off, they could string some wins together. 
No question about that. Guard play so important, obviously, in the NCAA tournament. You'd waste it for him, but I'd find a. I I think it's a hard sell to say that it's it's a failure. And I I, I can see Jeff Capel doing what he does, and this is why Jeff Capel has staying power. You can't tell me that people weren't contacting Blake Henson to leave last year. He chose to come back. Now now I mean. You look at the situation, it is what it is. You got the two guards you got to worry about. But Blake Henson came back for a reason. And whether it was money, obviously money had to do with it, but there was another reason why he came back, and I think that that was Jeff Capel. If he can do that again and to, with these guards, I think that it's definitely a positive. Well, and the thing about Capel that we heard whenever he got the job was that he's going to be an elite recruiter, and we're now seeing that. Like it, it takes time when you're coming from the Stallings era to bear fruit. This year wouldn't be a great year. Like, we can parse it even further. It wouldn't be a great year if you don't make the tournament. But it shows that they've got staying power. And I would think if they can keep those two guards next year, mm. next year would then be if you don't make the tournament, then it's right. absolutely a failure. You're already stable. You have a foundation. Now it's time to add. Yeah, you lost so much. I know yeah. you got Blake, but you lost a ton. Like, Nike Sabandi taking it to the rack all the time. Would that open up to the, uh, to the, other sh to the shooters that they have? Like, you lost a lot. You're younger this year. Hinson is that old horse for you, that old war horse. But the other guys needed to take time to get ready. Next year, they should be your best players. Uh -huh. And so you need to win. You need to make the tournament next year. But this year, no, not a failure. You can weigh in, 412-928-9370. But up next, are you smarter than a plumber? It's quickly become one of our favorite segments of the week with Southside Jake. But first, it's an Austin Bechtold fan headline. Pitt and Clemson tonight, big matchup in the ACC. Both teams are currently tied for fifth place in the conference. Panthers were able to shake off a loss to Wake Forest with a 79-64 win against Virginia Tech on Saturday. Clemson has won its last two games in a row. Both teams at 9-7 and seven overall behind Wake Forest, Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina in the ACC. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more, go to 93.7thefan.com. And now here's Doran. Trust is a key component of my life, and let me tell you about somebody that I'd absolutely trust to sell my home, and that's Gina Petro. You'll have a five-star experience when you sell your home with Gina. The agent you choose to sell your home can make a huge difference. Ask Peggy. She just successfully sold her house in Castle Shannon with Gina, but things didn't go well before calling Gina. She had worked with two agents before Gina. Her home was on the market for two and a half years. No buyers. It left her paying two mortgages. Gina's marketing strategy made a huge difference and got the ultimate job done. Gina will sit down with you. You agree on a price. You agree on a deadline. If the deadline passes and the home isn't sold, she'll have a bought and turned into a rental. She also offers a no obligation guarantee. If she doesn't do her job at any point, you're free to get out of the contract. You know what to do. Pull out your phone, give Gina a call, 724-602-9752, or Google Gina G and Petro of Remax Select Realty and look up GinaWillSellYourHome.com. That's GinaWillSellYourHome.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. That's right. Are you smarter than a plumber? Brought to you by Southside Plumbing and Heating with our guy, Southside Jake. Jake, you got the better of us last week. We're going to beat your ass this week. What do you got, buddy? Boys, how's it going today? I, I do have to come clean on something. I've been taking a lot of heat of for a question last week, specifically that MLB minimum right in left field out of bounds, 325. Uh, so i got to come clean a little bit here. That is a rule. 2.01 MLB adopted in 1958, stays 325. However, there is a subsection that allows legal footage to be under 325, but the border wall must be a height that combats the footage under 325. So, you know, I can't take credit for that, Wayne. There's a little bit of yeah, a... Yeah, long story short, you cheated. Yep. <laughs> no, you, could, you guys could have said all both those answers, right? I guess so. You didn't, mm. you didn't even have one answer right. What do you got for us this week, Jake? <laughs> Boys, pit, pit basketball's red hot. Uh, all right. On an NTAA court from rim to center three-point line is 22 feet, one and three-quarter inches. The NBA is 23 feet, nine inches. Does the backboard or the ball vary in size from NBA to NCAA? No. No. Crowley? No? Okay, you guys got it. You got one. Boom. There we go. go. There we go. One and oh. <laughs> Hoop stays uh-huh, the same, uh-huh. baby. One and one. Uh, uh, yep. There you go, boys. Threw your bone there. Just kidding. You guys are great. Uh, NHL, Penguins play tonight. What is the maximum stick length for a heel, for from heel to end of a shaft for an NHL player? Oh man. Um, maximum. Maximum heel to end of stick. Whew. Oh man. Eleven three quarter inches. No. <laughs> that's a, that's. <laughs> No, uh, right. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 31 inches. Oh, from no. heel, from heel, the bottom of the blade to the end of the end of the shaft where you put your hand. Oh, from the bottom of the yes. blade. Oh, yes. Well, Zdeno Chara had a really long mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, 60, 64 inches. Man, you were close. Man, 63 inches is the legal limit. That's However, what I was gonna say. Again. again there is an exception for players over six foot six inches. Cannot exceed sixty eight inches. The Dano Chara use a stick that varies between sixty five and sixty seven inches long. Have you guys seen this Rangers guy that they called up who's been beating everybody yes. into a pulp? <laughs> yes. And he's kind of oh doing God. a tour de force around the league. He is six foot eight. Is that he? guy he's that is big. Wow. Yeah, big guy. Wow. All right, so we're we're one and one, one and one here. One and one, not bad, not bad. All right, I'm having an NFL withdrawal. Help me with this withdrawal. Here's an NFL question. So, Doran, you got this. I know you do. So, we all know the length of the field between the goal lines is 100 yards. What's the width of the field between the out-of-bound lines? Isn't it 53 and a half? You know what? I'm going to give it to you. 53.3 yards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to you. I'll give it to you. Two and one. You got anything else? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, I'll throw this one at you. It's kind of a fun one, guys, and I think it's it's been played out a little bit. I've heard it a couple times, but 
you know, since I since I thought of this question yesterday, I didn't hear it. Um, Twelve years ago yesterday, an infamous quote was born in professional athlete by a professional athlete. The quote was, who do you think you are? I am. Who said it? Oh, that bowling guy. Yeah. Oh, I What's his no name? Idea. Who do you think you are? I am. Oh, man. Yep. What's it? It's one of the great bad trash talk moments of all time. Mm. I could not, I could never tell you his name. Oh, Becky. Becky? Is it Pete Weber? Pete Weber. So 30, yes, 37 times title Looking winning Becky. professional PBA Association champion. Pete Weber. You got it, boys. You guys did a hell of a job. Let's today. go. There we go. Southside Plumbing and Heating. Thank you, Jake. We'll do it again next week. All right, buddy. Talk to you then. Thanks, Jake. Jake. I always yeah. sweat during that segment. I sweat the yeah, whole time. Yeah, and you rock back and forth because you're like thinking. And are you, you're pretty good at trivia, though. I don't know. I don't know. His questions are very specific. Yes. Pete Weber, though, it's a hell of a pool by you. Yeah, it's one of the best names in bowling. Best I saw the clip look, a couple times. You look times. like a bowler. Can you bowl? I got like a one thirty-six average, one thirty-seven average. I do bowl. <laughs> you guys know my bowling thing. Last two times I went bowling, I got a call that one of my grandparents died. Right. So I'm never bowling again. Yeah, I'm not bowling with you. Because I only got I got one grandma left, and I don't know if it's only grandparents. Could be anybody I know that keels over when I get out there bowling. Not messing with it. Yep, you don't mess with the Cosmos, Dorn. That's what I've always learned. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always said. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, Jeff Hathorne said that he doesn't think the Penguins are going to trade Jake Gensel. Okay. I have an idea. How that can be I have a creative idea for Kyle Dubas that's what I'll say okay I brought it up before but it bears mentioning again we'll do that coming up next Brad Spielberger at eight o'clock right now it's a Becky fan headline Pete Weber Pirates baseball on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA today at one o'clock Pitt basketball tonight right here on the fan at seven you can also hear it on your Odyssey app pregame coverage begins at 6 30 against Clemson Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis to Monroeville. Now open. For more, go to 937thefan.com. Wait a second. Becky just said off the air he got a, a shirt in 2014 that's size small. He said he'd need a different size now. Yeah, I don't fit into a small. What do you wear now? A large. I you, like my clothes were, a little bit bigger, though. You wear a large shirt? Yeah, I could wear a medium shirt. I wear mediums. My man's got to be wearing smalls. He's smaller than you. He's thinner than me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If I wear mediums and he's going large, something happened. Yeah, there. but I'm, and I taller than you? How uh, tall are you? Five nine. I'm five ten. Mm-hmm. Mm, he's a... taller. He's thinner. He wears baggier clothes. Maybe it's a maybe it's a youth thing. Yeah. Man. Large. Fifty minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Brad Spielberger from PFF going to join us in about 10 minutes. So Hathorne said he would bet his house. Because you said if you had to bet your house one way or the other on Gensel being moved or not, how would you bet it? He said, I guess I would bet my house on the Penguins keeping Jake Gensel. I would not do that. We've been over this a million times. I would not keep Jake Gensel. But, Doran, if they want to keep Jake Gensel, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't just trade him and then bring him back. Do the Carlos Santana thing. Carlos Santana, just the other day, he was interviewed. And he said, yeah, I'm a little surprised mm-hmm. the Pirates didn't want me back. I had to come back. Jake Gensel, trade him. Get the haul. Jake, you want to play with Crosby for the next seven, eight years? Okay, we're going to trade you. We're going to make the team better. You're going to come back and sign the deal. Why wouldn't you do that? 
What if he doesn't want to come back? Be creative. Well, then you trade him. But he wants to be here. What do you mean? Well, if he wants to be here, why would you and, – and you trade me, and then you want me back. It's like, no, I moved on. It's for the greater good, Jake Gensel. You tell Jake, listen, we want you back. We also want a first-round pick and another player. So we're going to move you. Again, we want you back. We'll even put it in writing. We'll take you back. I don't know if that's if you're even allowed to do that, but you get the point. Jake, we'll take you back. Just a couple months, you go, you chase the Stanley Cup with Edmonton or Carolina or fill team in here. If you really want to come back, we'll take you back. We'll sign you to the contract then. It's creative. It makes sense if you want to keep Jake. Again, I don't want to keep Jake. I want the cap space. I want the return. But if they want him, like Jeff says, to be around and to sign that mega deal, trade him, bring him back. If I'm not good for you now, I'm not good for you. Oh, now. but it's I not mean, about that. It would be as a from a player's perspective. I don't think so. He's a reasonable man. Is he? I think so. If someone told me that, Crowley, we're gonna put you, we're gonna send you on loan to WEEI in Boston. Keep you in the family. You go there. They need a fill-in host for two months. Maybe they want to give me a contract. I don't care. I grew up here. I love Pittsburgh. I'm coming back. It's not because the fan in Pittsburgh doesn't want me. This is a terrible analogy. But you get what I'm saying. You just you make a handshake agreement with, with Jake Gensel. We'll trade you. We'll take you back. It's not because we don't want you. It's because we want you and the picks. This is called having your cake and eating well, it, too. Okay, Dorn. so, yeah, you want me and the picks, but the picks and, and the things that you're going to get back is Trump's me. So, obviously, I'm not the first option here. No, you would just say, hey, Jake, we're not going to make the playoffs this year, so we don't need you this year. We need you in the long term. Just come on back. I think he'd be amenable to that. I don't know. I don't know that it's something that Kyle Dubas would float out there, but that's exactly what happened with Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana didn't take it personally. He just knew, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs. And look. That's the that's the Pirates' fault. Well, I mean, what, what, the Penguins could do the same thing. But I don't think there was ever a handshake agreement, hey, Carlos, we'll trade you, and then we're going to have you back. I think they just traded him, and then he said he'd come back. And they didn't want him. But in this instance, the Penguins would want him. I don't think you, I don't think his feelings would be hurt. And you would tell him, you got, we don't have a chance to win the Cup this year, and you have a chance to win it elsewhere. The risk is you go and you have a pronounced run, a prolonged run is the word I was looking for, with Carolina, with the Oilers, whomever, and then you have so much fun there that you don't want to come back. But that's a risk I'd be willing to take. You would be willing to take that. Yeah. When I turn the microphones on, I try to put myself in the position of the player. I try to put myself in the position of the organization, and you have to weigh all the options. If you really want to keep him, but you know you're not going to do anything this year, I think this is a pretty good way to split the baby. Which, by the way, is the worst term Split of all time. Baby. You ever heard that one? I have, actually. And I haven't heard it in a long time, but that doesn't even sound right. It is right. I just don't know why. It doesn't sound right like somebody would make that up. Yeah, I don't know why that's a saying. To resolve a dispute in a way that is disadvantageous to both parties. Cut the baby in half. Saw yeah. the baby in half. That is more. That is terrible. And skin a cat, too. That's also gross. Terrible. What are we doing with turns of phrase back in the day? Mm-hmm. Coming up next, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. Steelers pick 20th overall in the NFL draft. Scouting combine this week. Where does he think the Steelers should go with that first pick? What does he think the Steelers should do in free agency? We'll get to that and more with Brad Spielberger next. Fan weather, though, brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. 
High today of 50, low 46. Partly cloudy skies throughout the day, 60% chance of rain. All right, we have an answer on split the baby. Because Doran and I said that's a really weird turn of phrase, matter of speaking. Whatever you want to call it. Split the baby comes from the story of King Solomon, who had two women claiming to be the mother of a baby. He couldn't decide, so he said, we'll cut the baby in half. When no one spoke up, in, then the other woman said, all right, the, the other chick can have it. They knew that was the real mother because the real mother wouldn't want to see the baby be harmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not well said by me, but nope. you get the picture. Yep. What if, you know, if King Solomon was putting on a test, pretty good idea. If King Solomon was going to actually split the baby in half, that's not very nice. Mm-mm. You know who is nice? Brad Spielberger. Yes, he is. From Pro Football Focus. He joins us on the fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Good morning. That was a top five segue uh, of, of my uh, radio career right there. That was strong. Well, sometimes you get the texters that have good intentions, but the English is bad. So I'm trying to mumble my way through that. I had no idea where I was going, but I'm happy we landed the way that we did. All right, yeah, Brad. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. So the Steelers, and then I screwed it up. The Steelers will pick 20th in the upcoming NFL draft. Combine starts this week. If you were Omar Khan, what are you looking at at pick 20? Yeah, I mean, so I will try to get the scoop. We'll uh, we'll circle back next Tuesday. Um, you know, I'll, I'll bug Omar, see if I can get some, uh, some intel out of him. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I think offensive line is an obvious priority. Um, you know, I think whether it is, you're going to see Jackson Powers Johnson mocked to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, from now until April, following the release of Mason Cole. I, I do think he's a good fit, can play guard, can play center, um, is a guy that can totally run Arthur Smith's run game and run his offense. Maybe you'd want to pair him with a different, you know, more veteran quarterback, but we'll see there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking offensive line. Would even take a tackle as well. Uh, it, it's a great tackle class, and I wouldn't shy away. And the last one, I know they took, obviously, a tackle and a corner early last year, but some very, very good first-round corners. You know, I think at 20, maybe a Terry Arnold at Alabama still there. Maybe Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama still there. Um, a couple other names. So, yeah, offensive line and, and I would say secondary. Brad, could you see the Steelers trading out of the first round to accrue more picks? Uh, it's not really their MO. Like, I, I certainly could in, in theory. And this this front office obviously has deviated from some of the norms and standards we've seen before. But, I, you know, I don't have it in front of me. But, uh, you know, I did a whole, obviously, analysis on the draft and draft trades. And Pittsburgh almost never moves. They, they make the picks they're at. They occasionally trade up like we saw last year, like we saw with Devin Bush. But if I had to guess, in the last decade, they probably traded down like twice. So you talk about Jackson Powers, right? And I know he will be mocked to the Steelers, has been mocked to the Steelers, will continue to be mocked to the Steelers. Uh, I've seen there's like upwards of eight tackles that could be first-round quality tackles. Uh, Are there any that you would pick above the Oregon center? Or like, where's the line on that for you? Yeah, I thought you were going to pivot to your boy Zach Frazier. I was waiting for it. I mean, Um, I I would take that guy first overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. He'll be gone by then. He'll be gone by then. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, no, no definitely. And, and I think tackle should still be a priority because you can get potentially a Zach Frazier or some other guys in the later rounds. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Like a Tyler Guyton at Oklahoma might be the line. He, I think, will be the sixth, seventh tackle off the board. J.C. Latham at Alabama is not going to be every team's flavor. I don't think he'll be Pittsburgh's flavor. He's more of a you know, big body gap scheme type of guy, not really an outside zone type offensive lineman. So, 
Yeah, like your Tyler Guytons, who's a good mover in space, good athlete out of Oklahoma. Like I think he'll be available in that range. You know, some team could could take a risk on the, on the athleticism. Amarius Mims at Georgia um, is a freakish athlete. Is a monster. He's probably six eight three twenty five type of type of athlete and can still you know move very very well. So. It, those guys, I think, will probably be sitting there because you know the, the Joe Alt, the Olu Pashanus, Taliese Puaga, like those guys will be gone. Um, that that second tier, but they're still very, very good prospects. Brad Peter King alluded to uh, yesterday or the day before that the Chicago Bears are going to trade out of the first pick. Now, I, I, here in Pittsburgh, Justin Fields is still the conversation. It's you know, even outside of Pittsburgh, it's still Justin Fields to the Steelers. Justin Fields this, Justin Fields that. Is this uh, are are they just messing around and trying to uh, make people look a different way, the Chicago Bears, and keep Justin Fields, or are they still interested in in getting him off the books? I can tell you that I think they could both trade out of one and also still move Justin Fields. I don't even think the two moves are necessarily correlated. Um, I think they've kind of made their decision and they're going to move on from Fields, and they know that that's probably you know it's not a done deal, but I think it's close to it. I think this week in Indy, you're going to have Ryan Poles talking to, you know, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, insert team name here, um, you know, about what the competition could look like. But I also still think maybe they move off of one. I think it would just be down to two with Washington. Uh, If Caleb Williams kind of drives a hard bargain and tries to push his way to Washington, maybe they say, you know what, if we can get a King's ransom from Washington, I'm thinking like two, 36, a future first, maybe even more on top of that. Uh, then maybe they do it. But I actually don't think the two things are necessarily tied together. Saw a report out of Atlanta that the Falcons might be more interested in moving up than they are for trading for Justin Fields. And they do have a couple of picks in the second round. Let's say Atlanta got themselves out of the Justin Fields sweepstakes. I mean, how many suitors would there really be for the Bears quarterback? And that's the thing. Not a lot. Because some of the teams people were looking at, like Las Vegas, Las Vegas hires Luke Getty. You don't think he's going to try to reunite right. with Justin Fields, um, you know? So they, to me, are off the board now. No, that, that that is the tough part. Is when people are putting out, and far be it for me to you know combat the the information that like an Adam Schefter has. But when he says they can get a first round pick, I would put money down. They don't. I, I just I don't think the list of suitors is that long because it's very rare to say this. But the supply of quarterbacks, both through the draft, I think we're talking five first round quarterbacks, and then in free agency, you still do have. Like Kirk Cousins is going to get a, a good deal. I think Baker Mayfield goes back to Tampa, but like there are there are just so many available guys that yeah, I don't think it's a long list of suitors. And maybe Pittsburgh's angle is we're in for the right price if it comes down because Chicago loses leverage because everyone knows they're going to take the guy, um, and then there just aren't that many teams you know bidding for his services. Brad, uh, this free agent running back uh, market, it seems to be growing and it's decent. And, you know, this is outside of Steelers talk, but Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, where do those guys end up? And, you know, why? And, you know, if you look at their teams that they played on, they seem to be one of the main factors on if those teams do win. Well, we know what the running back, uh, you know, talk is now. They're not highly valued, but where did some of those guys end up and could they end up on uh, some big time contenders? Yeah, you know, I think especially a Barkley and a Jacobs, like legitimately three down backs that can catch the football, that can pass protect, and that obviously can run an early down. Like those guys are still impact, like, you know, meaningful players for an offense. Barkley, the Cardinals game was a huge part of their comeback, had a ridiculous touchdown catch in that game, like making plays that, that not every running back can make. So 
I think what's helping them a ton, too, is this draft class at running back is, is not perceived to be very strong. I think there's a 0% chance to get a first-rounder. I wonder if we can get a top-50 pick at, at the position. So I do think that is going to help these guys. As to where they end up, I think Houston is kind of interesting. It, it seems like Damian Pierce is not a fit there. He kind of you know fell out of the rotation, and Devin Singletary took over the starting role. He was solid, but he's not an every-down guy, not a workhorse-type player. He's you know, 5'8", 200 pounds. Um, so I think that team could be interesting there if they want to just get a stud running back for C.J. Stroud, a guy that can also you know catch the ball out of the backfield. I do think they're both incumbent teams. Like the Giants and Raiders are still going to try to keep them. I know they're not going to tag them, you know, according to Adam Schefter last night, but I, I think they still are probably the most likely to bring those guys back. In particular, Antonio Pierce has made it clear he loves Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. Um, you know, wants to be a focal point of the offense, wants to run the football. So I think I think he probably goes back. Brad Spielberger, PFF, joining us here on the Fan Morning Show. Our Steelers insider, Mark Caboli from The Athletic, he said the Steelers should be able to add a veteran stud defensive lineman in free agency. That's not generally something they do. He mentioned Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins, DJ Reader from the Bengals. Do you think either are realistic options? Would that be smart business by the Steelers, and do those guys fit? I think Wilkins probably gets tagged in Miami, which makes it tough. Um, and if not, I mean, he's going to sign a deal for $20 million plus per year at this point. So, again, we talked about, you know, Weidel and, and Omar have deviated, have spent more in free agency than, than the Colbert regime did. So maybe, but that one seems a bit of a stretch to me. I, I love the DJ Reader idea, not only just taking him away from a division rival in Cincinnati, but had the tough injury, quadriceps tear, which is, I'm assuming, a terrible injury, um, but, but a phenomenal football player. I mean, really one of the better interior defenders in the entire NFL can push the pocket, create pressure, is phenomenal against the run, and maybe you kind of do a Larry Ogunjobi first-year type of deal, right? You say, look, you come in, you rehab in our building, we believe in your talent, who you are, maybe your market's not that strong, but we give you a pretty good one-year deal, and if everything goes well, we're signing you to an extension you know, off of that. So those ones are definitely make sense to me. I would throw in, too, um, Fletcher Cox, a bit older, but had a great year last year. In Philadelphia, has a connection to Andy Weidel. Maybe they want to bring in, you know, another veteran presence. Like a, a stopgap kind of guy. Yeah, who's guy who's won a ring, can, can obviously, I know you have Cam Hayward in the building, but guys that can help Keanu Benson take those next steps. Um, he played like 700 snaps last year, Fletcher Cox did. So still a very, very good football player. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they go after him, too. Thank you, Brad. This was delightful. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Brad. Me too. Brad Spielberger, PFF. Now, he talked about corner potentially for the Steelers at 20th overall. I'll just double down on something I said yesterday, Dorn. I would not do that. I would not do that. No. I, I still, I need, I don't believe that they know what they're doing at that position through the draft. And it, hey, look, it's a different GM. It didn't work out so well with the corners, with the secondary guys in the draft under Kevin Colbert. But where did, where did Omar Khan grow up? He grew up underneath Kevin Colbert. I know that they just got Joey Porter Jr. last draft. So that's Steelers fans. I can hear you right now yelling at your radios. They got a guy. He's really good. He's going to be a Pro Bowl player. I agree with that. He also fell right into their laps. Mm -hmm. He grew up with them. Mm -hmm. Their dad played here. Their dad coached here. Mike Tomlin was probably going to his birthday parties. Yes. Like they were going to draft him, probably whether he was worth it or not. And he just so happens to be a good enough player. So I'm not going to say they they fixed their draft, what has ailed them in the draft, at cornerback, because it's worked with Joey Porter Jr. I'd much rather them go interior offensive line, much rather them go with a tackle over corner in the first round. I just don't believe in them yet. Mm-hmm. And you do have you have Trice, 
who we did not talk about yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, Coming they, off the injury, you know, he's a bigger corner. I, I thought that he was going to be in the mix even, you know, whenever he uh, – before he got hurt. So, he is another component to this. Yeah, and they played – what is his name? Trenton Thompson last year. If you're going to play that guy, they would have played Trice if he hadn't got hurt. And he was a, a dude that was looked at as a steal for where the Steelers drafted and Maybe he factors into their plans as well. Coming up next, we played Austin Bechtold's wonderful play-by-play call, the Baldwin win, yesterday. We'll play it again for you, and then he might already have been one-upped. No offense to you, Becky. One of the best play-by-play calls I've ever heard. We'll let you hear that coming up next. You can get after us on Twitter, brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. You can text us, 412-928-9370, brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Right now, it's a Bechtold fan headline. NFL scouting combine underway in Indianapolis. The workouts begin on Thursday with the defensive linemen and linebackers, defensive backs and tight ends on Friday, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs on Saturday with the offensive linemen putting their skills to the test on Sunday from Lucas Oil Stadium. The Steelers are the 20th pick of the draft. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis in Monroeville. Now open for more, go to 937thefan.com. Wait until you hear this play-by-play clip we're going to give to you. One of the best of all time. Doran, you have not heard this yet. And we will juxtapose that bad boy with the final call from the Baldwin game the other day from our friend and our intrepid producer, Austin Bechtel. We'll get to that in a minute. The Fan Morning Show is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. I know we're trying to not pound the table day after day after day for Justin Fields because the Steelers are probably not going to do it. But we just talked to Brad Spielberger, who's super tied in to what they got going on in Chicago. He's a Chicago guy. He's got his sources. It doesn't sound like there's going to be that many buyers for him. Mm -hmm. Like Atlanta might try to trade up and get a guy. It's not going to be Las Vegas. He's not going to go with Luke Getze. New England picks third. If they want a quarterback, they'll get him there. Washington picks second. If they want a quarterback, they'll get that guy there. If the Giants really wanted a quarterback, they could probably take one at six or they'd be more inclined to trade up. Because Justin Fields just feels like another Daniels situation all over again, perhaps. I, I don't think that the, it's going to be all that high of an asking price for Justin Fields. I just, I'm not seeing the suitors here, Dorn. I don't know where he'd wind up if it weren't Atlanta. Right back in Chicago. I guess. If, if you do that, the way you would do it is you'd either keep that first pick or you would trade that first pick and move back to two with Washington, like Brad was saying, you would just simply not pick up the option for Fields, and he would be your backup. Maybe he's your starter, and you let Caleb Williams simmer for a little bit. I mean, I guess they could do that. I think that would be a mismanagement of assets, though. Mm-hmm. Like you'd ha- I think if you're Chicago, even if there's not a lot of suitors for Fields, if he's not your guy, you still got to get something for him, you know. Right. If I were, if I were, if the one team that I would think would be interested in Justin Fields and it would make more sense would be New England because what do they pick three? Mm-hmm. Like you can get a lot with that third pick. I would, I would, I would trade for Justin Fields. Say it's a late second, or if it's a third, you're trading a third round pick. You trade out of the third pick, you get more picks mm-hmm. back into the first round, and then you could kind of build your team around Justin Fields and then go from there. One team that has not been linked to him 
at all. But I would be thinking about it, honestly, is Cleveland. Okay. Mm. You want Justin Fields and? I wouldn't, pay, I wouldn't pay Fields then. I would have Fields on my roster. I wouldn't have to give up a ton. They don't have a lot of picks, so it's probably just it's probably not going to happen. But I would I would bring him in as a backup for Deshaun Watson because Watson the consistency hasn't been there, and then my man hasn't been able to stay healthy either. And this is an affordable backup option that could legitimately start. And we know that their roster is good enough to win. I would I would consider something like that, but I don't think that's in the cards. All right, you want to hear this play by play clip? Yep. So here is our guy Austin Bechtold. Baldwin basketball wins a playoff game at home for the first time in 21 years. I think Austin really captured the moment. So NA will throw it in. Six-point game. Lukic throws it in. Three-pointer up. Dopperak. Off the mark for the first time in 21 years. The Baldwin Fighting Highlanders have won a playoff game in the first ever home playoff game in Baldwin basketball history. Tyler Kennedy joining us in 11 minutes to get into the Penguins, by the way. Becky, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked to you face-to-face about this. That's a very good call. Thanks, guys. And then you let it breathe after that. Yeah, I, that's one of the key things that really just made me so mad about the Super Bowl. Tony Romo, oh, Jim, oh, great play. Oh, Jim. Let the moment live. Do you think that the play-by-play cr- crew in this Mississippi Valley State game let the moment breathe at all? <laughs> No. Uh, the, the answer to that is a resounding no. If you're not keeping up on Mississippi Valley State basketball, they hadn't won a game all year. They're playing at home. They win the game. Chaos ensues. Andre, that's game! And that will be game! And that will be game! And that's now that first win! First ball, we saw him the court! And that's first ball, the court! At first, I thought that was from a different country. At first, I thought I, I couldn't I couldn't tell what anybody was saying. Until towards the end. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like a Saturday Night Live skit. It does. And the fans did rush the court, which <laughs> has been a massive topic of conversation across this country after what happened to Kyle Filipowski from Duke. And the just hilarious thing about it is, literally 10 seconds later, they all just walked off the court. <laughs> the fans. The fans. They were done. 10-second court storming. Where'd you, where'd you guys find that at? <laughs> Mid-major madness. Put it out there, my buddy Nick Lawrenson. The best part of that entire clip was, they're on a one-game winning streak. (laughs) What a senior night. They did not let that moment breathe. Wait, so you guys are trying to see, like, okay, you guys are, you know, broadcasters. You've been in the business a lot longer than I have. You would rather just silence 
in a moment like that? Yes. What the what the goal is, especially for TV, as there's supposed to be cutaway shots to reactionary fans like cheering, very excited, or the opposing fans looking like they're mm-hmm. about to cry in their lives. Cheerleaders over. crying. Yeah, everybody's of that nature. Set the scene. One big crowd shot. That's what letting the moment breathe pretty much means to me, at least. What about if you're on the radio? Still, give it like five, six, seven seconds. Let the crowd noise just take over. Okay. okay. And then the color guy can jump in. Right. That was a that was a TV broadcast. Oh, oh was it? Yeah. <laughs> so they they could have they could have just let the commotion speak for itself. However, they didn't. All right. Now let's let's spin ever so slightly away from that court storming. And one final thought on the Filipowski Wake Forest storming. Did you hear what Jay Billis said? Yeah, I did. Jay Billis said, if you want to stop this, you lock the fans up. You arrest them. Man. Uh, you're going to have to have a, a police officer for every single fan, right? Right. And at that point, if you've got that many cops, you're just use them as security and don't have them rush the court. Right. You can't arrest everybody. It's just not going to work. And be like, Oprah, you go to jail. You go to jail. Yes. There's no practicality there. But I'll take it a step further, actually. You know, I don't think he was hard-lined on this enough. You storm the court. You touch an opposing player. Death penalty. Don't get that. Ship him off to Texas. A lethal injection. You know what? Even that's not strict enough. Death penalty for the school, too. Yeah. School, you lose all your scholarships. The program's gone. And you, young man, freshman, forget about Econ 101 tomorrow. We're putting your ass in the electric chair. Except for the nine Wind Mountaineers. Boy, how about that last night? You see that? Overtime. You told me about it. They had a th- You couldn't wait to tell me about that. They had a 38-9 to run and lost the game in overtime. They were down, what, 25 with 13 minutes to go? That's right. And still found a new crushing way to lose. Thanks, Huggy Bear. Coming up next. You know what? That's coming clean. That Bob Huggins jerk. Coming clean, brought to you by Wetgo. Go Unlimited. Visit getgocafe.com slash unlimited for more details. Up next, Penguins tonight against Vancouver, 10 p.m. What are they going to do before the deadline? Have they turned things around? Tyler Kennedy joins us to discuss. But first, it's an Austin Bechtold fan headline. The NHL trade deadline is approaching Friday, March 8th, the official deadline, to see if the Penguins will make a move 3 p.m., the deadline on the 8th with the Penguins tonight in Vancouver, 10 o'clock puck drop against the Canucks. It's a four-game road trip for the Penguins that begins tonight, currently on a two-game winning streak. Headlines powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now we'll open for more. Go to 937thefan.com. Going to be joined momentarily by one of our Penguins insiders, our Penguins experts, Tyler Kennedy. We were just talking to one of our cohorts, one of our our friends here in the building, PJ, about the struggles of Evgeny Malkin. One goal in 19 games. A guy that used to be able to elevate his teammates. Now you could say he hasn't had help on his wings, but that's never really mattered for him before. Right. He's taken. He's been dominant and up until this point. Like My question to TK is going to be, you know, how do you get out of that rut? I mean, being an older player, like how do you figure it out? How do you do something and get your game going, get the engines moving? Um, on a on a day to day really basis, if you're Malkin, I mean, if he just ups his production, you know, a little bit, they can be a decent team. Yeah, they can be. When we played earlier on in the show, Elliot Friedman's comments on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, he said, 
you know, Dubas probably feels he owes it to this group, that they've earned the opportunity not to be sellers until right on up against that deadline. You know, Malkin hasn't been that guy this year. Like, that sounds to me like an expectation from Dubas. Oh, eventually he'll figure it out. In these next six games, we expect him to figure it out. I'm just not seeing it with that guy. Tyler Kennedy joins us right now to get into it. Uh, TK, Doran just asked this question uh, of you, but off the air. What do you think the Penguins need to do? What can Malkin do to get a spark back in his game? The one thing that always sparked Malkin was a game where he was in guys' faces. Sometimes, you know, he'd drop the gloves or someone would rock him. That gets Geno fired up where he's pissed off. You know, a pissed-off Geno is the best, you know, because he's determined to win. You know, right now, I haven't seen that kind of Geno. You know, I've seen him. He's working hard. He's trying his best. But there's a different level when Geno gets pissed off where he's unstoppable. And I think something at the beginning of the game has to happen, you know, and especially going into March. Like, this is the most exciting time for a player, a fan, because even – you know, especially for the Penguins, because right now you're going to see the guys that are willing to play the best and to push to get into the playoffs, and you're going to see the guys that are already thinking about going home in two months. You know, so these are huge tailing tales for the Penguins coming up here, especially on this road trip. Do you think it's a confidence thing with, with Malkin? Or do you, like from your perspective, being a former player, whenever you watch Malkin skate up and down the ice and whenever you, you, you watch these games, does it look like he's lost a significant step? Or does it look like his, his confidence is gone? Like what actual like detail do you think it is that he's been playing this way? You know, I, I don't I, – Gino still has the skill. I do think, like, it's nothing about being in shape. Like, if you're not in shape by end of February, like, something's wrong. Like, he's in shape. He's got it. I think maybe he's in his own head a little bit. You know, I feel like someone's going to, you know, talk and say, hey, Gino, you're a good player. Don't let all this outside noise get inside your head. Play the way you can play. We need you right now. Let's go. I, again, I think he's in his head a little bit, and he, he will find it. I just – you know, I think maybe someone needs to just talk to him and say, hey, we still believe in you. You still are the guy. You still can get it done in this league. Rusty gets hurt, and of course he was super hot, and he was performing well in that Flyers game, and now he's not even going to go on this West Coast road trip. Do you see any way, TK, that without Rust, without Gensel, even with the way Crosby's playing, that they can win enough games of these six to make it so that Dubis stands pat at the deadline? Yeah, I, I, like when you have Sid as a leader, when you have a, a true leader that's going to bring you into that that battle the right way, I think there's always a chance, you know. And let's see what some other guys have. Let's see what, you know, when Jeff Carter gets more ice. Let's see when, you know, a, a Raquel gets more ice. Let's see if the guys can really step up because, uh, you know, there's there's always going to be injuries but you really know what kind of team you have when you can battle through those injuries and still play well. When you think of Washington Capitals, they've been through a lot this year. They're still doing really, really well. You know, again, let's. this is such a telling tale, this road trip, because these are playoffs game for them. These are teams that it's 
extremely hard to go into a Vancouver, a Calgary. All those, it, it, it's so hard to win in those buildings, and you have to play your A game. You know, so uh, I do think they have it. I think it's going to be a, a tough task, but you got to start at game one. And, you know, again, if I'm behind Sidney Crosby, I got full faith in that team. Throw out your scenario to TK with uh, Gensel. TK, do you think that they could approach Gensel and say, hey, listen, man, if things don't go well between now and the deadline, look, we're going to trade you. We're going to try to get some picks and prospects in return, but we'd be amenable to negotiating a contract this offseason in your return. Do you think they could do something like that? Yeah, well, like I think anything's possible. I think, yeah, they probably have that conversation. Hey, we're going to let you go for a little bit. And maybe we'll, you know, we'll try to re-sign you. But as soon as you, as soon as he leaves the team, I always feel like a player doesn't the loyalty. As soon as he leaves the city, it leaves just a little bit. You know where? Oh, you know, maybe I did enjoy going out to Dallas or Vegas. You know, if the Penguins want me, the price tag, I know I said I'd take this, but I enjoyed it out there. Or yeah. I, I, I liked it. And you know what? Instead of this, I want that. So that's that's the only tricky situation because when I got traded, I love the Penguins. They're, they're always my number one team. But when I went to a California and I was living that life, you, you kind of lose a little bit of that. Yeah. You know, you, you and you don't realize that, you know, again, I think I played my best hockey here and it was because of the players I was around, but I think you lose loyalty when you get traded to another team. Tyler Kennedy joining us here on the fan morning show on hockey night in Canada. Elliot Friedman on Saturday said that the Penguins are listening on their goalies. Could you envision a circumstance where they would trade Tristan Jari? Do you think that could be a good idea? Well, not before this road trip. I know that they need him these next couple games to be an All Star. But um, yeah, I, I I think if the you know I think with Kyle Dubas, if it's the right if it's the right price tag for him, he would trade him and try to figure it out. You know, the one thing in the NHL when you have a goalie that's your number one and a solid number one, it's it's one of the like it's like finding a number one player in the league that's going to lead. It's extremely rare. You know, I know they have this young guy coming up, but playing well in the AHL and playing well in the NHL is like completely different. You know, there's there's guys that excel in one and then doesn't excel at the other. It doesn't matter which way you flip flop it. So again, when you're having a number one in Jari, like it, the the price tag has to be pretty good. But do I think he'll do it? Yes. Last thing here for you, TK. Have you seen this Rangers guy, Matt Rempe? I mean, he comes into the league and he's taking on some of the toughest customers around like Nicholas Delorier. I mean, is he just going to do this for every single team's tough guy? Like, How sustainable is that? Listen to this. I'll ask you a question. If he can be on the Penguins right now, would you take him on the fourth line? Yes. I would take him in, in yes. a second. I would take him yesterday. So, so listen to this one. Like, So I talk, so I don't want to mention these, but I've talked to a GM. You know, I talked to him quite a bit and he goes, there's not enough guys like this kid that's Rempy kid that are coming in the league and that are, are, you know, the wife, the wolf climbing the hill. They want to get to the top and they'll take anything. And this kid is making a name for himself. And I know he's going to war every night, but he is making such a name for himself that even if the Rangers don't sign him, there's a lineup of teams that will. 
because he's willing to take on anyone. He's willing to stick up for his teammates. Like, I love this kid. That was like that, you know, I feel like that was the hunger that, you know, I had in the guys in my era that were coming up, even the tough guys. And that's what I, you know, I have so much respect for this kid. And, you know, it's, it's so nice to see a kid with that kind of fire, that fire that, you know, you don't see very often. And again, he's making a name for himself throughout the league, throughout really the world, just by, you know, fighting three times, you know, and the, it, the sucks was the one in uh, Columbus, his last one. Cause you can tell, you know, these tough guys, they're fighting for a job. They're fighting to put right. food on the table too. They're waiting for him. You know, like he's going up against Reeves on Saturday. This They're reading each other's game tape. But again, the best advice from a guy that I couldn't stand playing against, and I fought five times, Sean Avery, he said, TK, you never lose when you show up. And this kid hasn't lost yet because he's showing up. And that goes, honestly, everything in life. You show up, you're going to win. It doesn't matter you win or lose. You just got to show up. Yeah, like Max Talbot against the Flyers. I don't think that was, you know, his best in terms of a fight, but that sure got you boys going, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, boys, it's all about showing up and putting your on the line, you know, and that's that's what the kids do, and that's what Max did. Again, we knew Max got beat up, but it didn't matter. He, <laughs> he showed up, he put his face in front of a couple punches, but that that's how you gain respect. That's how you show a, a leader in a different way. Um, again, that kid's going to have a job for a while, even if it's not on New York. He, he he is. You can you can see it in his eyes. He's got that fire, which is which is unbelievable to see. TK, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, TK. We'll talk to you next week. You I, could you could tell the passion in his voice oh, how much he man. he appreciates that. That is that's fantastic. Whenever he gets on those, whenever you ask him a story you know, time, I mean, it is unbelievable, and you could just see it play out in your mind some of the stuff that he says and some of the stuff that he's went through and for the passion in his voice that I heard there you could tell that that's the type of player that he would take in his foxhole well and I do think the Penguins I don't believe necessarily in the enforcer thing but the Penguins have been missing a guy that can mix it up mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be able to play you too. have to be able to score you have to be able to contribute in my opinion but the his description there of even Max Talbot yeah he knew he just had to get his face in front of a couple punches what? That's an unreal job description. Oh, no, I'm not a fighter. I just got to get my face in front of a couple of punches. And look what it did. Mm-hmm. How about this kid going against Reeves Saturday, he said. Yeah, well, so that let, let's peel this back yeah, a little yeah. bit next and, and how it relates to the Penguins as well. But he is going to play against Toronto and Reeves, and it's already being billed like it's a boxing match. <laughs> like, they got nothing against each other. They're going to fight. They're just going to fight. We'll talk about that a little bit when we come back at the top of the hour. It was a it was a performance yesterday that some are saying was good from a Pirates player, a key Pirates player. Others are saying it's bad. So what do we make of that? That's at 9 o'clock right now, a Beck told fan headline. Pitt basketball tonight on the road against Clemson. You can hear it right here on 93.7. The fan beginning at 6.30 with our pregame coverage. Tip-off is at 7. Both Pitt and Clemson are tied for fifth place in the ACC. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis to Monroeville. Now open for more. Go to 93.7thefan.com. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the Pirates season hinges on the back of two players. We'll talk about those guys coming up at 9 o'clock, and we have four tickets to give away to an awesome event, 412-928-9370. So the best caller on that topic, you'll win the tickets, giving you plenty of time to call in. Again, 412-928-9370, the 50-minute mark on the fan, is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, Route 19 in Peters Township, celebrating 50 years 
in the South Hills. We were talking to TK about this guy, this rookie, taking the league by storm, Matt Rempe for the New York Rangers. So if you're not familiar, my man is six foot eight. So he's a brick you-know-what house. He fought Matt Morton of the Islanders, who we all know is as tough as they come. Fought Matthew Olivier. He got his butt whooped in that one. One of the best enforcers in the National Hockey League with Columbus. He also fought another great enforcer. We saw him on Sunday with the Flyers, uh, Delorier. He's come up. He's fighting all the toughest guys in the league. He has a rematch coming up against the Blue Jackets. He's probably going to fight that guy again. And then they got Toronto and Reeves this weekend. And I'm not usually wondering for, like, these orchestrated fights. Like, I think fighting is an emotional part of hockey. And if it boils over, okay, it boils over. Your men, you throw hands, right? I'm so intrigued by this guy because there's these guys don't exist. It used to be every team in the league had one. Mm-hmm. Now there's like five of these guys in the whole league. It's it's kind of appointment TV for me. Yes. Like, I'm going to watch that game. Great great hockey teams. I'm going to watch that game this weekend to watch Reeves fight off with this with this six foot eight dude. The thing that has gone away, the reason why, and you said it earlier, like you have to have, you have to bring something else to the table. And that's why Ryan Reeves didn't fit here, I believe, as well. And it just didn't fit Sullivan's system. But I do think that there's a place for guys like that, and especially whenever you have a guy like Sidney Crosby, especially whenever you have a big time guy that, you know, you want to protect. I, I do think that there's a spot and a place for players and enforcers in hockey, but you have to bring something else to the table. But I, I felt the passion earlier in TK's voice, and I know exactly what he's talking about. There's a guy that's coming up. He's young. He's like, I got to make an – it's like it's like going to jail. Like, you know, you got to – you know, you get initiated in jail. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to find the biggest dude, and I'm going to knock him out. Like, I'm going to try to fight him. Wolf always used to say that about camp back in the day. Yes. Steelers camp. Yeah. Like, he'd take the – oh, the newcomer, big shot. I'm going to kick his butt. Right. Yeah. Well, you earn you earn respect, and then you get to confidence in yourself. Like, I can do this. You know, this is the type of player that I want to be. This is the type of player I am. I'm here now. I'm wearing the jersey. You know, I want to take out the biggest guy, the biggest dog, and see if I if I measure up. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this. And you said appointment TV. Like, now I am going to watch yeah. that game. And, and the hockey should be great between those two teams. But come on, we're signing up for yes. Reeves Rempe. Let's go. Two big hosses going at it. You know, the Penguins have missed just, frankly, a call-up from a guy that's eager, even. Like, somebody that you feel has earn their worth in the AHL that you can call up that is going to bust their butt for the 12, 14 minutes you put them on the ice. Like, they need that. Like, if they had this guy, and again, he, he scored six goals and four assists in 53 games in the AHL. Like, you would need to have more production from a guy at the NHL level for me to want to play him routinely. But if they would have had him for the last week, the Penguins, just, just something to upset the apple cart a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that they... I'm not one of these big, you need an enforcer guy. But I would love if they had somebody that could stir it up when they've had some of these slow starts. Montreal the other day, must win game. They do win 4-1. to one. Tristan Jari had to bail them out in the first period. If they had a guy that they could call up, a guy that they could insert into the lineup that would not allow for the, the, the first 15 minutes of that game to go the way that they did, they desperately need that. Get on it, Dubas. And you could acquire something for nothing, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Just a spark plug. Coming up next, I think the Pirates season hinges on two people. One of them was on the diamond yesterday. Mixed results, I'd say. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about the other guy. You can weigh in at 412-928-9370. Next, 
Fan weather is brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. High is 60 today, 60% chance of rain. First and second one out. Aldred left on left. Hodges delivers. Swung on, busted bat, popped over the mound. And who wants it? Shortstop throws wildly on the first Alcantara. And the play at the plate, the throw, the tag safe, and a run is in. Mayo scores on the throwing miscue by Alcantara. And the Pirates are trailing 1-0 as the Orioles strike first here of the seventh. So that's not from yesterday's game. I clicked the wrong thing. That's my bad. <laughs> we all make mistakes, Doran Dickerson. Yesterday it was Bucks and Blue Jays at, what is it, Dunedin? That's where they play. Neil Walker had to make that one-hour adventure, and he was all upset about it. Right. 75-degree weather down there in Florida. The thing to take away from yesterday's game is something that a lot of people seem to really be split on, and that was Rowanzi Contreras' performance. I don't think this is hyperbole to say. You know, if they don't sign a starting pitcher or trade for one before the start of the season, Doran, Rowanzi Contreras is probably, in my opinion, the most important guy in their rotation. And then Henry Davis, to me, is the next most important player on the club. Because you should have an expectation that O'Neill Cruz is going to be great. It's time for him to be great. I thought he was going to be great last year. So I think those are the two guys the season really hinges on. But you're getting mixed reports out of what happened yesterday with Rowanzi Contreras. He was throwing upwards of 96. That's good. 21 out of 34 pitches for strikes. That's okay. The bad? The walks, two earned runs, four hits. I saw Destin, who is the new Pirates beat writer for the Post-Gazette, said it was encouraging. I saw other people who watched the game, like you and me, who said, eh, I don't know if I'm necessarily all that encouraged with Rowanzi Contreras. Do you agree, first off, that those are the two most important players? And what did you take out of what you saw yesterday on TV? I mean, it's it's very important in knowing that I don't – I mean, it's up in the air if they're going to sign another starting pitcher – but you need Rowanzi Contreras to be a guy again. Last year, he obviously spiraled down to, down the drain, had to get moved and sent back down to try to figure out um, some mechanics and, and to get his game back. And for what I was looking for, knowing that he was starting yesterday, it wasn't that you know guys were getting soft contact on hits. It wasn't that he threw 95 miles per hour on a pitch. It wasn't that he threw 94 miles per hour on a pitch. For me, it's between the ears. It is between the ears. And you said the bad is that he had, what, what he had four earned runs. He had two walks. The, what I am looking for out of him that tells me that he could be the guy again is whenever he has two outs in an inning and he doesn't walk a guy and he doesn't let a run go in by walking another guy. Like, that is, to me, is not any growth. That's just me. Because I know with him it's a confidence thing. It's can you get it's can you be in a situation and get yourself out of it and not mess up the lineup and mess up the order of your bullpen and them having to come in because you can't shove because you can't pitch because you don't have it between the ears. Now that messes up the flow of the whole entire week. If you can't figure out how to get out of innings, that's what he didn't show me yesterday. That tells me that I know it's early. I know mm -hmm. it's early. Yeah. It's, it's very early. I, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him the you know an escape there. But what I wanted to see hitting the ground running was between the ears. Whenever things don't go right, can you figure out to have the confidence to get yourself out of that? He didn't show me that yesterday. I thought he didn't nibble quite as much 
Like, if I'm looking for reasons for optimism, that was a big issue with him last year. Like, the velocity was down, but he was also then, because of that, I feel like, not trusting that his stuff would play through the zone. Not to get too technical with this. That's what I need to see out of Rowanzi. I agree with you that it's between the years. Now we saw the pop in velocity yesterday. Can he be willing to now attack guys? Because the stuff's good enough. He's got two-plus pitches. The stuff is good enough. Don't nibble. Don't screw around. That's what happened with Mitch Keller. Now, I think Mitch Keller was paralysis by analysis early in his career. He was he he didn't trust his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he had so many pitches, more than Rowanzi does. Rowanzi's working on three. He's got six, Mitch Keller. And Mitch Keller's always had that arsenal. He played too much. Well, Rowanzi's not trusting it. Once Mitch Keller started to trust it, oh, 97 will play? Oh, a 94-mile-an-hour sinker will play? That's when he started pitching the way that he pitched to get that five-year, $77 million deal. Rowanzi's got to be aggressive, and he's got to trust his stuff. That's what he did two years ago when he had a good season for the club with a 3-7-9 ERA. I thought last year, I didn't think there'd be a step back. I thought he would only get better right. because his stuff played. You're right. It's one start. Going to give him the spring. Got to figure it out. I think I'm probably more discouraged than encouraged by yesterday's performance. I mean, I, I, I expected more even, you know, uh, body language too. Like, mm-hmm. hey, like I got mm-hmm. sent down. I figured it out. I am a confident pitcher now. And even though that I did walk a guy, it, his body language just seemed off to me. Yeah. Now, Bechtel, you thought that I, I don't – I mean, I saw you tweet. We were going back and forth a little bit. Yeah. But did you think that that was a positive outing? Uh, no, I thought that the velocity was positive because we had seen him dipping down to 92, 93. To see it back at 95, around 96 consistently is definitely a step. But, again, concerning. The first inning, there wasn't a lot of hard contact on him. Kind of not, not fluky. See, I don't – and you're, before, you're right about that. I, I, don't, I don't try to worry too much about how many runs you're giving up in the spring. I don't I – don't, that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is at one point he threw six straight balls. Right. Yes. That's – that. Like, yeah, he had some bad luck. But then, how do you regroup – that's what we're looking for yes. from him. And again, it's one start. I don't want to make a mountain no. out of a molehill here, but it's one start on top of what was a horrific last year where not only did they send him down, they said, yeah, we're going to send you down to Florida and you're going to take some time. I think the season hinges upon finding a guy to round out this rotation. Is it him? Is it Ortiz? Is it Priester? I'm not a Priester believer. I am a Rwanzi believer. I do like Ortiz's stuff. When he came up first in September a couple years ago and is painting 99 on the black, one of these guys has to figure it out. And I think if one can, and if Henry Davis can remain up here all season long, because eventually you would expect Skeens, you can win games. You can win 84, 85 games. But if you've got a gaping couple of holes at the back of your rotation, like I'm not even saying you're going to have five guys. Four, you're fine with your bullpen. But if you got three before Skeens comes up here, it's going to be tough to find tough. wins. And tough. Tough. Because not- that bullpen, to Doran's point, yeah. They're gonna it's, be a really good. it's a strength. Maybe the best in the division. Probably the best in the division. Maybe one of the best in baseball. If, you're, if you need to get six innings <laughs> in the fourth and fifth spot in the rotation out of your bullpen every time through, it doesn't take long 
for those innings to mount and for that bullpen not yeah. to be effective. Yeah, yeah, you're, t- you're detracting from the strength. And it's not impossible for him to make a turnaround. I mean, look at Mitch Keller for first sure. couple of years was not good. Now an all-star. Yeah, but I'm saying he should have made the turnaround already. I mean, he he hasn't played. I mean, he, he got sent down to Florida. Like, you should hit the ground even more. Right, you should be sprinting right now. I well, agree. It well, took Mitch Keller three years. Well, and that's why I'll say, uh, while I was not overly encouraged by the performance, and we did watch it yesterday, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna agree with that. Like, he needs to have arrived now. By the end of spring, we need to see a guy that can be a foundational piece of this rotation. Yeah, like, he guy. was looked at to be a foundational piece two years ago. I mean, how many, how many games year? did it take him last year before he got sent down? He was, if memory serves correctly, and we are, this is, this is tough. Right. This is tough. No, that's just in the Good in the early going. But, and then, and then he pitched, what, 68 innings? It's about 10 games or so. Yeah. He had 11 starts before they sent him down. How quickly he fell off. That's that's what I'm afraid of. So say he has another outing, but maybe next week or whenever he pitches again, mm-hmm. if he does the same thing, yeah. he could fall right off the I cliff I see what again. you're saying. You need him to to have an experience, yes. a positive experience with which to build off of. Yes. Because yeah. if he doesn't and it starts to amount, then you're going to see what happens last year and maybe even quicker. I'm going to get dubbed a Pirates apologist for this, but here, here's a reality. If Johan Oviedo were healthy, or Burroughs, right? Yeah. Okay. Meet me at Oviedo. Oviedo, yes. If Oviedo's healthy, we don't have near as many questions about the rotation. I still would say, hey, try to sign a guy, but we wouldn't have near as many concerns about this rotation as we do right now. That's a The Pirates never, ever in this town get the benefit of doubt, but that is a terrible struck of bad luck. Strike a bad luck that they're dealing with. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Well said. Text us, 412-928-9370. Brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. You can tweet us at underscore Adam Crowley at score and Doran. Brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Do you agree, Pirates fans, at 412-928-9370, that those are the two guys the season hinges on? Agree? Disagree? 412-928-9370. Best caller gets four tickets to the 2024 Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center from March 8th through the 17th at 9.35. Para must win games in town tonight. We'll talk about that then. Right now, it's a Bechtold fan headline. Pirates play against Atlanta today in spring training action. The lineup is out. O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Key Brian Hayes, Yasmani Grandal, Connor Joe, Edward Olivares, Rowdy Telez, Jack Sawinski, Laovu Peguero, the starting nine for the Pirates with Marco Gonzalez getting his first start as a Bucko in spring training. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. Go to 937thefan.com. You can hear that game on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA. But right now you hear Doran. It's that crazy time of year. Snow, rain, wind, the weather, and damage to your roof may be a crapshoot. But when it comes to choosing home improvement professionals, don't leave it to chance. PJ Fitzpatrick's industry-leading team of professionals is highly trained and experienced. They're efficient, thorough, and focused on completing every job properly. Over 40 years in the business with thousands of five-star Google reviews and many from right here in the city of Pittsburgh. Over 40,000 roofs replaced and thousand mo- thousands more repaired. That's experience that Pittsburgh can rely on. More than just roofs. They can help with gutters, windows. How about a new shower? 50% off installation of your new shower system. Just visit TrustPJ.com. Schedule your free consultation and price lock guarantee at TrustPJ.com. PJ Fitzpatrick, making life better one home at a time. 
How about this? Buried the lead yesterday in the spring training game. Tamar Johnson. Big time. Two homers. Big time. First teenager in 10 years. Oh, wow. To hit two home runs in a spring training game. The other, Carlos Correa. Then to the Astros, hit two home runs off of the Blue Jays. Ah, the Blue Jays. On March 13th, 2014. He turned out okay. Pretty good. Tamar Johnson's going to be a very good player. You can just yeah. tell. Oh, yeah. You can just, just tell. the way he swings. It's just oh. so natural. Just it is. so natural. It's a, it, it has to be. I'm not this guy, but it has to be the best swing in the system by far. Has to be. And I would venture to say, I put it on a short list of all these prospects in Major League Baseball. It is a beautiful swing to watch. He's got star potential. I have a hard time getting excited about guys that far out of the bigs, though. Mm-hmm. How far out is he? I was just going to ask Bechtold for his timetable. So he hasn't played in double A yet. He's only played yeah. 30 games in high A. I would imagine he'll be in double A at some point, maybe even to start the year. September at the earliest. Yeah, so. I don't see it. Probably I don't see year. September. Next sep- Maybe next September. Probably next Jeez. July. June, July. That'd be great. Yeah, I think that's likely. He's going to be a dude. You can just tell he's going to be a dude. And you love watching that swing. Oh, I love it. Today, leading off for your Buckos, O'Neill Cruz. They're going to try to get him a million at-bats in spring training. We Good. talked to Wainer about that. We talked to Walker about that. You need to ramp him up. You know, I said, and we try to get calls on this at 412-928-9370, the two most important Pirates this year are Henry Davis and Rowanzi Contreras. And really, you can kind of... Say Rowanzi or Ortiz, Rowanzi, Ortiz, or Priester. You just need a guy to join that rotation and make an impact. But the other one is obviously Cruz. Am I am I ridiculous for just thinking he's gonna arrive and be a guy? No. Okay. Not at all. I think he picks up right where he left off. Yeah, I kind of have him earmarked as a sure thing. Maybe that's not the smart thing, but like if he if he ain't good, they're not gonna Make a playoff spot. If he ain't good, they're not winning in the mid-80s. But short of him, I also think Henry Davis is in that category. And I think it's more about the bat than it is him like winning a spot and then eventually being the everyday catcher. But if he could be an 800 OPS guy, and he was much better than that in the minors, if he can be that guy, and he's in the lineup five days a week, that goes such a long way, too. Yeah, but, but he's probably not going to be in the lineup five days a week. So how does the bat factor in whenever he's competing for the backup catcher spot? He'll be in the lineup every day. Most days, I think. Like I don't think you keep him up here if he's not going to be. He just won't be behind the dish. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't see – like you're either going to – you're either going to have him learn the full catcher – everyday catcher job at AAA – or he's going to have to be in the lineup every day. I don't see any way he'd be up here playing two days a week as catcher. You want to talk about that would be bad. That would absolutely stall the development of a Henry Davis. I'm a big believer in his bat. He did it double A. He was unbelievable. Triple A figured it out. I'm a big believer in that bat. But they've got so many guys that are question marks like that. Like The reason why I think he's important and that O'Neill Cruz is important is because I don't think Jack Sawinski can be your cleanup hitter every day. Right. I was, that was You took the words right out of my mouth. Right? Like, he can't be your three yeah, every your day or your four every day. If he's hitting sixth or seventh for you, 
Now you're talking about a deep lineup where he's a guy that can carry you for a week at a time. He'll go invisible for a week at a time. He's a guy that can carry you for a week at a time further down the order. And maybe if you've got the right pulse of that, if you're managing this club, if you're Derek Shelton, then when you feel it coming on, maybe you do slide him up. Sunday days, maybe you do slide him up. But if he's 6th or 7th, now you're cooking. And today, this is probably their opening day lineup, minus McCutcheon. Hit me. Who hasn't played yet. It's Cruz leading off. Reynolds, Hayes, who's kind of moved up in the order. Grandal fourth, either Grandal or Davis. Don't in that love that. Spot. Don't love it either. And then it would probably be McCutcheon. It's Connor Joe today. Fifth is the DH. Edward Oliveras, Rowdy Telez, Jack Sawinski batting eighth. And then Lyover Peguero at second base batting ninth. I don't like Grandal batting fourth ever not at all ever 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 that's my nine guy maybe five years ago yeah exactly right if you have a time machine if you hop into DeLorean you go back five years fine even two years fine now no but instead if you if you take him out and that's Henry Davis a little bit different yep that's the kind of lineup you slide McCutcheon in for Connor Joe that lineup's a lot better than what it was last year a lot better than what it was last year I also don't know where I am on O'Neill Cruz batting leadoff. But we have plenty of time to chew on that and discuss that. Depends on how the power comes. Because we know he can steal bags. But if he can be a 30-home run dude, which is what Wainer has said, Mackey has said, and Walker has said, I don't know if I want that in my leadoff spot. 30-30 guy. Right. Possible. Fan Morning Show is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Coming up next, a must-win game tonight for the Penguins, a must-win game tonight for Pitt. And Doran asked a fabulous question I thought earlier in the show about Pitt that we're going to revisit coming up next. Right now, though, it's an Austin Bechtold fan headline. Pirates play Atlanta at 1 o'clock. You can hear that game on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA beginning at 1 o'clock. Pitt basketball, hear that tonight right here on the fan against Clemson. Both teams are tied for fifth place in the ACC. 7 o'clock tip-off. Our coverage begins with the pregame show at 6.30. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. Go to 93.7thefan.com. Pair of must-win games tonight. Pitt on the road against Clemson. Penguins, 10 p.m. On the road against Vancouver. Jim Rutherford, president of hockey operations out there. On the West Coast. We'll get into that in a minute, but you just told me something that's wonderful news. Mm-hmm. This is unbelievable news. Mm-hmm. Doran, you know me. I'm a loyal husband. Yes. Father of two. I'm not the kind of guy that strays. There's no infidelity. Who would even want to? Uh, she's the only woman that would ever want to be with me anyhow. Mm-hmm. But my wife and I have these laminated lists. You know the laminated list. Yes. The bucket list says you don't like. Yeah, well, five people that, you know, if we met them and they wanted to go on a date or two that we're not allowed to get mad about. And she's got Jake Gyllenhaal on hers. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't, right? I've got my number five, although I'd move her up in the list. Hayden Panettiere, who you just told me is going to be at Steel City Con. Mm-hmm. We're going. Oh, yeah, I go to every single one. Is she married? This is unbelievable. I, I don't news. know, but she's going to be there. And I looked at the list and I was like, I think Crowley has a big crush on her. And I asked you, and you're like, I sure do. I said, she's going to be here April 12th, city of Pittsburgh, all weekend. It's your chance to meet her. You can take a picture, a selfie. Well, and then take it a step further. You want to go out for some coffee? She's on the list. Good you luck. probably can't make a list. Why? Because it's realistic that if you would come in contact <laughs> with people, that something could happen. Me, not so much. Looks like she 
broke up with her guy, Vladimir Klitschko. Oh, no. In 2018. Oh, that. What? I ain't. Nah. What? <laughs> what? No, nah, he served in the Ukrainian army. I I can't follow that. No chance. Uh, well, I mean, you, you know, he, wait, he's a, he was a boxer. Yeah, that World Heavyweight Championship, he won it twice. I might be able to go toe-to-toe with a guy that won it once, not a guy that won it twice. <laughs> yeah, that's, all right. Well, that was fun while it lasted. You could still meet her, though. You can't say hi and take a picture with I her. I will absolutely do that. I, watched, I used will to watch the show Heroes. Will you come with me for real? Yeah. Are they paying you to be there? No. Sign autographs? No. Meet All-American tight end Doran Dickerson? Nope. Meet Adam Crowley of the Fan Morning Show? You don't think that's a selling point? No. Okay. Yeah, people are texting in. Vladimir Klitschko. That's no good. <laughs> I did not know that. All right. Turning the page now to Pittman's Hoops. They take on Clemson on the road tonight. Now, Clemson's lost four home games. It's tough to win on the road in college basketball. Pitt's actually been able to do that. This year, they had the big win at Virginia. They had the massive win against Duke, where Blake Kinson tried to fight the entire Cam and Crazies. Pitt's a seven and a half point dog. Last time we were perplexed by a line, they got destroyed on the road against Wake Forest. I, however, remain perplexed by this line. They showed something to me in that second half against Virginia Tech. Not a great first half. They came out gangbusters in the second half. I think they know that this game is absolutely a must win. I think they show up. I think this is going to be a round of 32 kind of caliber basketball game. I don't know that they win the game. I think they cover that seven and a half point spread. Well, I mean, they obviously need to win the game. Right. But, I, you know, that is a big spread. And one thing I think that I've learned about this team, and especially being a young team, it's like how do you, even with Rowanzi Contreras, kind of the same situation, like how do you figure out how to get out of bad situations and how do you, how do you deal with pressure? And I think throughout the season, they figured out how to deal with pressure. Now, you're not always going to win. You know, sometimes you'll get blown out. Like, that's just a part of life. That's a part of being an athlete. That doesn't mean that you don't know how to handle pressure. Mm -hmm. I think that this situation that the Pitt basketball team is in tonight, heading down to Clemson, is they know the pressure. They know what is at stake. They know what could possibly transpire if they do win this game. But I think that they're, I think that they're ready to handle this. I think that they're ready to handle a situation like this. Which, you know, it, it's it's really, you know, do or die. Yeah, so. I think I think Capel has proven over these two years he can push the right buttons. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think you can look at I'm sure this is how he'll spin it, that Wake Forest game as a as a learning experience. Yes. Yes. You go on the road, tough place to play. They haven't lost there all year long. Obviously we know what happened when they played Duke at Wake. Uh, that's how Filipowski got trampled by a fan. I kinda think he stuck his leg out, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I think they're going to give Clemson everything tonight. And they have to because they're 47th in the net. Clemson is 23rd in the net. This is one of those quad one games. And if you lose it, there's not another great game left that you can help boost your resume until the ACC tournament. Yeah, this is. I mean, if you lose this game, you just you basically have to win the ACC tournament. You think? Or, or at least get to the final. Well, they were next, next four out for Lenardi. They were next four out in another bracket site that I trust, and then they were first four out in the eyes of Mike DeCourcy. So you lose, you're only going further down the list. So, yeah, I I think they have to win or they're done until the ACC tournament. And that's interesting to me, too, because they're tied for fifth right now, so they're technically the sixth seed. That means their first-round game would be either BC or Georgia Tech. That doesn't help them, that game. No. 
but you got to win that one to then play Virginia. And depending on where they fall in the net rankings, they're in the top 75. That would be a quad one win. And would one more quad one win on a neutral site do it for them? <sighs> you know what you do. You win tonight. You win. You got to win tonight. Just like the Penguins. Yep. And they'll take on Vancouver. Jim Rutherford, the president of hockey operations there. I don't think Kyle Dubas has done a terrible job. You know, he had a lot that he needed to do. I don't think the Carlson deal, while it's looked bad, was the wrong move at the time. One thing that Jim Rutherford absolutely would have done to this point is try to swing a deal to, to shake something up. Like I, I do think if you want to be critical of Kyle Dubas, you can say the Ryan Graves move, bad. You could say the Carlson deal hasn't worked out. But then third on the list for me is I wish he would have done a player-for-player player hockey swap earlier in the year just to just to try to get the juices flowing again. And if Rutherford were at the helm, I would bet everything I have, including my firstborn child, that he would have made a move. Mm-hmm. He absolutely would have made a move. So that's what this game has me thinking of. I don't think they're going to win either. They don't have Rust. They don't have Gensel. Power plays kind of turned a corner. I don't. Vancouver's really good. It's on the road. They tend to not play as well on these West Coast swings. I do not feel good about that one. They're minus, uh, excuse me, the Canucks are a minus 155 favorite tonight. Hmm. Need it. They played well, though, whenever they traveled. Or, the last Sometimes. Time, right? like, it's, well, either, it's either good or very bad. So you think it's going to be what? Very bad or... They're I think it's gonna. gonna I think it's gonna be bad. I think this whole. I think this whole West Coast swing is gonna be bad, and then even before the eighth, you're gonna see that Dubas gets his hand. Forced. Love the positivity out of you. I'm not here to be positive. Why not? I'm here to be realistic. Be positively realistic. <laughs> well said. Fan morning show kickoff brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Reserve your consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Today's gonna be nice. We're gonna have a couple of showers, Dorn. And then on the other side of it, this kind of weather always connotes certain feelings for me. We'll talk about that coming up next. We got Joe Starkey coming in at 10 o'clock right now. About, uh, Austin Bechtold, that's who it is. Fan headline. Sounded like it was on the right track. Pirates today, 1 o'clock against the Atlanta Braves. Hear it on 100.1 FM and AM 1020 KDKA. Pens are in Vancouver at 10 o'clock. Here at Basketball tonight right here on the fan at 7 o'clock at Clemson. Both teams are tied for fifth in the ACC standings. Pitt would be the sixth seed right now in the, in the ACC tournament. That game at 7. Again, you can hear it right here on the fan and also on your Odyssey app. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. Go to 937thefan.com. Zeiss is in today with Starkey. We were just talking to Joe. I can't wait to hear that. I know. I think the first segment might go 47 minutes. Starkey should let Zeiss lead. Yeah. Handful of segments. Why not? Mess around with it. Go back and forth. Yeah. Those two guys. What do you think that they would start with if Zeiss led? Shot at the title? (laughs) (laughs) This, that, and the other thing I think they'd start with. I, man, I think it's going to be a great show with those two guys. Me too. But I am intrigued because both guys like to go off on tangents, different kind of tangents. I'm going to listen to the whole show today, I think. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, Ram Route 19, and Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. This date 50 years ago. 15, excuse me. 15 years ago. Not that old. A little bit of a difference. 15 years ago. Thank you, Becky. 
Penguins traded for Chris Kunitz. We were talking about Matt Rempe earlier, the 6'8 brick you-know-what house for the New York Rangers and how that kind of added element of physicality would be just what the doctor ordered for the Penguins. Not really if a guy like Chris Kunitz were available. And I know that those guys don't grow on trees. He's won four Stanley Cups, for God's sakes. That's the kind of guy this team has missed, though, man. Somebody that will bang bodies. He'll go into the corner. He'll stay in the front of the net. Worked great with Sid. The only guy I think who's worked better is Gensel. And then if needed, he would throw the big hit. He would drop the mitts. They don't make him like Chris Kunitz, man. Those guys are few and far between in the NHL. What's that face? <laughs> What's that face? Somebody said that you... Somebody texted and said, is Adam going for a Pokemon haircut? And I don't know the word that they said, but I know exactly what Pidgey. they're talking I know exactly what they're talking about. I've been told. I've been told by the youngsters around the office. <laughs> we love you, Ron. Ben Tenuta, who's like 15 years old, who does all our you know videos and photos and some web stuff. He said my hair looks. What's the word? He crispy. Crispy. Kale Berger, another one of these young guys, says my hair looks good. How does? It, I mean, how would he know? That's true. I think you put it earlier that his eyebrows chased his hair away. <laughs> Kale Berger. <laughs> My wife actually said, because I spend way a lot of money on haircuts every month. I'm talking 45, 50 bucks a pop for a haircut. 60 bucks with tip. My wife said, if you're going to keep going to your girl Chelsea to get your hair cut, you can't wear a hat anymore. Seriously. So I'm out. I'm out on you the have hats. A good, you have a good set of hair. Yeah, like Pidgey the Pokemon. Right. So Donnie tweeted out earlier that it's great weather out there, like fine weather, he tweet, something to that effect. And I know some people, when you get a 60-degree day, you're thinking, I want to get out on the links, I'm going to play a little golf. And I've been there, too. I like golf. What it makes me think of is about 14 years ago on a front porch, drink about 800 beers on a 60-degree day in Morgantown. Yes. We can't do that anymore. No. I think I think we could... I think we could deal with it. Like I think our bodies could survive it if we did it as a one-off here and there. But we just have too much responsibility. Too much, to, yeah. Too much stuff to do. You got three kids at home now. I got two kids. Long-term relationships, responsibilities for the job. I wish we could go back for like one week. That's exactly like, what that's I was going to say. All I need is one week. There was no freer time in life than a Thursday afternoon where you and the boys got five. 30 racks of natural light, and you just watch the cars go by. People would walk up and down the sidewalk. People would stop for a beer. Ah, we lived on this big hill, like 45-degree angle hill. Is that what I'm looking for? Probably not. Yes. Huge hill. I know exactly what hill you're talking about. Yeah, Stewart Street in Morgantown. Mm -hmm. People would be biking up it. They'd be sweating. They'd be walking up. We'd invite everybody in for beers. Just come to the porch, have a couple of natties, and get on your merry way. There is nothing better in life than that. I know you weren't cooking, so what did you guys eat throughout the day? Pizza? My friend would grill, and we'd get, oh, yeah. the, we'd get the $5 pizzas from Little, Little Caesars. Caesars. Yep. <laughs> Each I, of us would have our own pizza. That's why I became Fat Adam. I feel like I know Morgantown so well. I've been down there a hundred times. Yep. Those were the days, man. There was no more free time in life than college. My you favorite college day was after the spring game. Like you play at Heinz Field. It's usually nice, and then you know that you're done with, like, actual football for at least, like, a week or two, like, as a football like, And then you're just – it's the weekend, it's Saturday, and you just sit out all day. You're done with the spring game by, like, one. 
you get back to your apartment in Oakland and then it's nice out and you're just hanging out all day. To me, I didn't play football. I don't know if people know that. I didn't play football. No. The two best weeks. The best day is St. Patrick's Day if you get good weather. Yes. But the best two weeks, syllabus week at the beginning of term when they just hand hey, here's what the expectations are. You don't have a lot of schoolwork and it's still nice, sunny, September weather, August weather. You just drink all day. The other is after your final final and you've got nothing and you're just riding out the end of that lease, not a care in the freaking world. Different experiences, you and I. You didn't do that? No, I had to go right back to I had to go to summer school. Oh. Because you were dumb or? Yeah. Fan that's, weather that's, brought that's to you funny. by that's Sun funny. Chevrolet. Way to end the show. That's real funny. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks. High is 60, low 46, partly cloudy skies throughout the day. 60% chance of rain. Joe Starkey, Paul Zeiss coming your way next. Is anything going to happen at the combine for us to talk about? I don't want to be the show that does a pre-combine show. We no. need something to happen. Someone make a trade so we can talk about it tomorrow. Let's predict that Justin Fields will be traded today. Justin Fields to the Falcons. We'll talk about it tomorrow at 540. Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.